A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Welcome to the MC Universe, where the Lorehounds, your guides to the multiverse and beyond. I'm David. I'm Alicia. And I'm Jean. And we're here to help you convince the man that you've sold mechanical pants to that they've made him a little bit taller. <laughs> we'll be recapping and breaking down the third episode of Loki, season two, sharing Easter eggs and our current theories about what is exactly going on. And then Jean is going to walk us through the major departure from Kang's comics origin story in Comics Corner before we get into a little feedback. We'd also love to hear your thoughts about Loki as we discuss the rest of the season. Email your feedback to mcu at thelorehounds.com or head over to our website at thelorehounds.com and use the contact form or record us a voicemail. For ad-free versions of this and all of our podcasts, check us out at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. I'll share more about our Patreon as well as programming notes for our upcoming schedule, as well as our affiliates at the end of the podcast. Also, we'd be forever grateful if you could get us more ears tuned into the Lorehounds MC universe. All you need to do is drop a five-star rating and review wherever you're listening. Apple Podcasts is especially helpful even if it's just a few quick words. We read all the reviews and they really mean a lot to us. And before we get started, just a quick spoiler warning. We'll of course be spoiling all Loki episodes up to and including the one we're talking about today. But spoilers for the rest of the MCU and the Marvel comics are also on the table. All right, gang, welcome to episode three. What Are we halfway through, I think? Yeah. This is our... This is the uh, mid-season finale. <laughs> mid-season. <laughs> That's right. Fortunately, we don't have any crazy news out of the MCU this week, so we can probably get straight into the episode. Alicia, you want to set up the episode for us? This episode is titled 1893, and it was directed by Kazra Farahani, who is the Loki production designer. He started as an illustrator and concept artist on tons of big movies like Avatar, tons of stuff you've seen, but also including Marvel movies like uh, Black Panther and Guardians of the Galaxy 2. And he was he was also the assistant art director on some projects when he graduated to production designer for shorts and music videos and a couple lesser known features, including one called Bliss that features Owen Wilson and Selma Hayek. And yet he also did some writing and directing uh, for some of them too. But Loki's really the first big gig. 
where he gets to be a production designer and now also, yeah, director of this episode. And he contributed to the script for this episode wow. with his writing partner, Jason O'Leary, who helped him on a previous lesser, previous lesser known film called Tilt. Uh, and that's the only other credit on Jason O'Leary's IMDb. So we really have, so the usual Eric Martin, he's the one, he created the story and he led the teleplay, but then this writing duo contributed. So it's really a case of like them seeing the talent of Farahani and trusting mm -hmm. him yeah, to grow. And I think it really paid off. What do you guys think? Uh, I'm liking what we're seeing so far, Jean. Well, why don't we just lead this into your into our hot takes? Uh, Jean, I haven't heard from you on this episode. What? Yeah, I, I've been quiet. Yeah, <laughs> I've been quiet. I, I, this may be my favorite episode. Nice of, of the series. Nice. Oh, of see, uh, uh, both seasons of the series, both seasons. Wow. I don't wow. know if if I'm being a prisoner of the moment, but. I was really happy with this episode. Uh huh. Just the overall vibe was really cool for me. And um, Jonathan Majors, sigh. Uh huh. <laughs> like with all the things that are circling around him, mm -hmm. just watching him on screen is is distracting. He's in, amazing in, in the good way or the bad in way? a good in a good way. Okay. Because he's an amazing actor. Okay. And this amazing actor. actor has some horrible allegations right. made towards him. And I watched that episode and just thought to myself, wow, if he did these things, he's thrown this incredible talent away. Right. right. And it saddened me. Not only saddened me for what we've lost, but saddened me because he's done these terrible things. Sure. Mm -hmm. But still, just watching this episode, this, this, this was a great, I, I, like I said, it's possibly my favorite episode of the series. Would it rank uh, overall in all Marvel television? Wow, I didn't I didn't think about that. Yeah, that's, I know that's a big wide question. I don't know yeah, if that's an I, answerable question without uh, yeah, more deeper. I, but I, if Loki's your favorite series. Is it my favorite series? I don't know. I thought you said so. <laughs> I don't know. Is it? I don't mean to put words in your mouth. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm thinking about it. Like you're you're saying it and I'm thinking. And um let me get back to you guys yeah, yeah, yeah. in this okay. episode about that. Yeah. Sure. On both of those questions, definitely. Yeah. Any other thoughts? No, I, I want to get into the, the meat and bones. Of well, it. I see okay. you've got here something about Ouroboros everywhere. Oh, I see. I see Ouroboros <laughs> everywhere. You're right. In the show, you mean? Not in, in the, the show. World. Yes. Okay. In the show. Yeah. Not in, in the, the show. primary world. Not in, not in the world, <laughs> but in the show. In the show. Yeah, I'm seeing, you know, this. there's, there's a specific scene where it was just like, okay, this is, this is really, I have to stop thinking about this, you know snake eating his tail thing i have to get i have to get out of it but it's just so um present in my mind that i see it um the motif everywhere that it, it could conceivably pop up so interesting and that's a good thing for me because it, it's reinforcing you know a theme in in the in the show for in, in my eyes so i'm cool with it i'm cool with it we touched on this before in a previous episode when we we're talking about circular patterns and where the uh, automat was versus advancements and repairs and these long curved hallways, 
And I don't wonder, there's a lot of curvature in the TVA architecture, and we get a lot of walk and talk shots, and I've got some notes on this later, but I don't wonder if there's some subtle uh, visual language that's happening about Ouroboros and this infinite looping thing that's happening. So it's very cool. Very cool. Alicia, how are you feeling about this episode? Yeah, I'm also very positive. Um, Mm -hmm. I think this might be my favorite episode of the season, at least tied with first, but maybe even more because I do love a good history time trip. You know, this is they're they're dangerous, Um, though, aren't they? they, Yes, yeah, they can really screw up a show if they don't do it right. If they don't do it well, exactly. And luckily, this I think this episode nailed it. Um, yeah, it might be one of my favorites of the entire series too. But you know, long live alligator Loki, or as I always know him, (laughs) Crokey. I still have a chat group with friends called Crokey is Love, so I'm. I'm, Oh my god, (laughs) I'm attached. Um, but yeah. I am not sure, though, how I feel about like Jonathan Major's Victor Timely affectation. Um, everything else in the episode is nearly perfect, but at times, I don't know, it felt a little put on to me, but maybe we'll find it, we'll find as we get to know this character that indeed it is an affectation, this, you know, because it's hiding the Kang underneath. Um, I loved the other villain emerging, <laughs> Darth Minutes. Uh, <laughs> we'll get into that, but that was great. Uh, and yeah, there was a lot of exposition this episode and world building dropped, but they did it in fun ways. Yes, like this yeah. is, this is how you do it. You yeah. know, you don't just have, you, you have to make it visually captivating and, and disperse it out and make it, you know, where you actually, you get an exposition drop and you go, <gasps> you know, <laughs> right. Um, right. And yeah, the, there's a warning. There's a Chicago World's Fair lore bomb incoming, <laughs> and I've got some Edison beef to unpack. So oh, <laughs> you went yeah. deep in your notes there. There's like a whole page <laughs> of World's Fair notes, which I love. That is so on brand for lore hounds, right? Yeah. You know, absolutely. Like, oh, here's this weird little niche thing. Let's go deep. Oh my lord, it's an iceberg, right? I, I love a World's Fair. They yes. yeah, a lot of uh, cool stuff, and this was one of the best of all history. Yeah, yeah. very cool. And what David? about you, David? I was delighted and entertained. I really had a lot of fun. I don't know where I could put it in my power rankings for series or season, but I can certainly say that this episode looked great. The camera work in this series, in the season, is exceptional, and I just really noticed it in my second watch today. I. I think it's been going on the whole time, but I really noticed it today, how they're using it. And I'll talk about a, a particular scene that's a good example later on. But it really exceptionally and and uh, what's the word I want to say? Confident filmmaking. The people who are editing the show, filming the show, directing the show, cinematographying the show, really feel like they know what they're doing. They've got a point of view and they're executing on it. And it, it it's great. I, I absolutely love it. I loved the op- and I loved everything from the opening credits to the aged look for Miss Minutes. Uh, you know, all of that was really fun stuff. The music they played with some different music cues. The great, there's more mystery now about Renslayer and Miss Minutes. I feel like we're getting some uh, interesting character developments as well as growth on top of opening up more mysteries with certain characters. 
um, something that occurred to me as I started watching the previously on, and then I went, I jumped onto our discord channel and posted this so that I was on record. But, uh, I think the loom is, um, bullshit. I think it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's, I think, th- and then later in this episode, they really gave us the, the, this, the clues for this. Do we really need the loom? And we can talk about it later, but like, I, I don't think, uh, you know, that, that the loom is something that if it weren't there, you know, how, how would that change reality? I don't think that it's necessary to the existence of reality. So, but we'll, t- we'll talk later. Um, I heard, I listened to a couple of different podcasts. I've heard some mixed reactions. I think overall people are, but then there's some really strange criticism out there where people are just bagging this saying that this episode was, you know, the saggy middle. They don't understand where the plot's going, that the Victor Timely stuff really annoyed. I was like, what show are, how is it that we're watching? So two different shows. And I certainly get that if you're not bought into a story, it's easier to find the seams and the edges of where they've stuck stuff together. Uh, if they're there or if it, if it's seamless, you're still going to, you know, maybe see them, but I don't understand. I feel like this is a solid MCU. This is some of the best MCU television that we've gotten in the history of MCU television. Uh, yeah. I, so I don't, totally agree. I mean, I totally. this stands up to some of the best television on TV. Period. I, General. Yeah. Yeah. This is a yeah. solid show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely. I don't. So I, I'm, I'm scratching my head and I'm trying to be open because, you know, criticism and critique are important to listen to various viewpoints. Uh, but I, I still am like, what, what, what's going on? Because this show is firing on all cylinders for me. So and that said, on the Victor Timely, Jonathan Majors character affectation. It did. It was just on the borderline for me. Uh, it didn't take me out, but I did notice it. I wish it had been more of a uh, the character's affectation. So he was playing it up a little bit more on stage. Mm-hmm. And maybe it was something that's inherent in his character. Well, because we did see it in his character for uh, He Who Remains, right? That he's a little glitchy. He's a little, um, right. you know, in his head about stuff. But then, so, and for me in the show, just his little mannerisms, it drew out scenes a little bit longer than I think necessary. And we could have packed a little bit more energy and punch, but I can totally get for, I've heard from some other podcasters who say it just totally took them out. Fine. I can totally understand why it would take somebody out. I don't have a, so it's, I think it's a borderline um, uh, uh, presentation, you know. So, but that's, it's, you know, that's, I can see some personal, you know, likes and dislikes there. Anyway, it didn't bother me that much. Like I noticed it, but it didn't take me out. Um, so yeah, I think in sort of in summation, thinking about the characters and looking at like Sylvie and Loki, and we're going to get into it, but I think that we're seeing growth. We're seeing growth with Renslayer and, you know, growth just meaning that character is moving from a, a, a starting point to some other point. It doesn't have to be in a good way. Right. And I like that. It's giving me depth. There's rich. The, the, these aren't there's it's not empty calories. The show actually has some nutrition in it in terms of what it's saying about the human condition and about motivations and and attitudes about things. So um, on top of some great history and details and all the MCU connectedness stuff on top of production, which is looking gorgeous. So yeah, I'm, I'm really satisfied with what we're getting. 
So, sorry, that's a lot. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I just, I don't see the criticism. Sure. Yeah. Like, I've, yeah, I know I just some don't. people are feeling confused, which, I don't know, on the one hand, it's like, okay, I understand that would uh, make you enjoy it less, but selfishly, I'm like, no, but there's so few shows that have this sort of complexity that tickles my brain. I'm like, let mm-hmm. me have this one. <laughs> and it's right, not like, right, I don't think right. most people want to like take it away, but it is a bummer not to see as much enthusiasm as for season yeah. one, because I think this season is at least as good, you know, just as good. Yeah. I agree. Uh, I think the criticism, like you said, it, it, people have their own likes, you know, and, and, what holds them to a story and what pulls them away from a story. I get it. I get all of that. But at the end of the day, I think um, this show is, is so much cooler mm-hmm. to watch than a lot mm-hmm. of other shows that we've watched. Right. You know, and I, I'm not even talking about just story wise. It's, it's just a cool ass show. Yeah. You know, like the characters, the sets, the the visual the music it's a dope ass show mm-hmm. so yeah you can see little things like people there's always say, gonna be little things right yeah you'll see always. those little things but if you let those little things take you out of the show then the show's not for you right yeah i think that i've also heard a lot of people who are waiting to binge this one but i also think that like yeah we have to be honest the secret invasion fallout is real it's real it's real it's real it's real. Same, same with Andor. Andor suffered the same thing. We got an exceptionally high quality product that um, was given a lot of side eye because of the previous two. Well, not Mandalorian, but in terms of Book of Boba and uh, Obi Wan. I loved um, Obi Wan. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I'm not saying. I know, I know. But people, people felt uh, shaky after those, and so they were less willing to give their their time. So I think you're right. I think. Secret Invasion really messed up. But then it's like when we have uh, quote unquote showrunners, whatever Marvel is calling them these days or what have you. But when you have writers who are writing a story with a point of view, fine, you can have some red yarn string leading out to various other characters or other particular movies. You got to hit the spot, but let writers do their jobs. Let directors do their jobs and tell these stories and bang, we get so much better of a product. Ultimately, I also I also think because I had this conversation with with a a friend of mine at work and I also think that that people are want to be in the know of what the story is. Uh Um, And this is not giving you that. Mm. If that makes sense. Um, Say more. So with the Marvel shows, there's always been a, a sense of I know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Right, like I know the characters. I know I know these the storyline. I know where the, the end is going, where the yeah. end is headed. Mm-hmm. Right, people are used to that. That's what they, you know, we set up this big bad, and everything is going to lead to the big bad. So mm-hmm. I know where the story is going. All this other stuff, I love it. I like it. I want to see it, but it's leading me to a point. Right, mm-hmm. that is obvious, and in and right. it is. Um, right. built within the narrative within structure the, of our exactly of, of how we consume fiction. Yes. Right. This There's is not be that an ultimate battle that's very Western Judeo, right? Loki is not that. Mm-hmm. You're right. I think you're right. And I think which a lot of people have yeah. which is exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> but a lot of people have issues with sure. not knowing. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's the unknown it's to them. Like, oh, 
where's this story headed? Sit back and watch where the story goes, bro. And <laughs> you know I've heard I mean? like, that criticism specifically. People are like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I like the show because I don't know that they, they, they know where they're going. Uh, they know I, where they're going. They know where they're going. They're giving me that faith. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They know where they're going. We don't know where they're going. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's as that. a faithful. I would say yeah. this as a faithful Marvel comic book reader. Yeah. I had ideas of where the MCU was headed on film. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had the general knowledge of the entire saga, right? right. And so the moment can, they teased uh, um, Thanos for me as a non-comic book reader, I knew exactly what was going to happen. Yes. We're yes, going to fight that yes, dude eventually, yes, somehow, yes. somewhere. Yeah. They've done enough on this show for me as a knower of these characters for me to not know where it's headed. Boom. Yeah. It's Fist like a bump through the screen here. It's that a roller awesome. coaster in the dark. It's yeah. like... The Space Mountain of <laughs> this this podcast is not sponsored by Disney. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, parks. no. But if they would like to send me theme park tickets and, and plane tickets, <laughs> we'll <take> absolutely. <laughs> we'll so get yeah, your actually, no I think that's the that's the cool aspect of what 100%. this per, this particular show is doing. Hundred percent. We don't know where it's going, and that is – I think that's why I, I was delighted and, and uh, entertained because I just I, – I was. Alicia, it's a great metaphor. I'm on a roller coaster, and I don't know where I'm going, and I think it's – Don't cool. know. And for a timey-wimey show, they're keeping it light so that right. we don't have to – they're telling us in the little you know, lower thirds visual cues, you know, this is a branch timeline or is a sacred timeline, Ouroboros says – Dude, we got to make the thing bigger so it can handle the capacity. Yeah. So, right, it just just simplified everything so yeah. you don't have to uh, – we don't have to think about, oh, what's going on here? The machine is too small. We need to make – the MacGuffin mm-hmm. needs to be fixed. The MacGuffin needs a MacGuffin, right? Okay, cool. Right. right? Fine. So – but I think where the show for me, and we'll talk about it, is doing interesting stuff is in some character development, Oh yeah. There's some deeper themes oh, yeah. that are happening with the Lokis and with the Victor Timelies and with Renslayer, you know. I think B15 and Mobius and Mobius is getting some stuff. I think B15 is not getting enough stuff. Right. I agree. Agree with that. But everybody More else B15. is getting something. I think uh, and Ouroboros I think is a is a flat I you know dimensional character but even miss minutes got i think ouroboros is gonna there's gonna be a reveal so we i think there's gonna be a reveal but i don't know that we're gonna get like a, a loki sylvie like oh we're struggling with our core motivations and our identity mm. who are we and you know or we learned about rent ravona this what what motivates ravona we, yeah. we learned about I, uh, the kang variant yeah core motivation I, I think that it's going to be like, you know, the he who remains type reveal where it's like, here's the character, boom. And then we and then we explore like if there's another season or a future project, then we we explore like who what is the psyche of Ouroboros dealing, taking all this into account. Do you see what I'm doing on screen here? (laughs) Double fingers crossed. crossed. Give us more (laughs) more Ouroboros, you know? And And I think that's fun too. Like Jean, you were saying that they're getting to play in a sandbox. Because they're doing the TVA timey-wimey thing and all these timeline stuff, they can play in a sandbox where they're not as restricted by the source material. Yes. And they they can play in a wider thing so they can bring in new characters and stuff. And I think that's... That's that's invigorating. That's enlivening. 
and the characters that that we already have have already been envisioned in a different way. Which they, is they, awesome. Yeah, and we'll talk about it as as we go in in the comic corner the, right after the yeah. breakdown. Well, <laughs> 24 minutes into the pod, yeah. I think maybe we should probably get into the scene by scene breakdown. We're going to take a quick break first, and then when we come back, we'll do uh, do the breakdown. And we're back. Okay, Alicia, you want to take us through the episode breakdown? And again, thank you, thank you, thank you for these excellent summaries. Uh, oh, really appreciate you. all the hard work that you put into them. Yes, Thank we do. you for pitching in. It was fun to work tandem this morning. Yeah, it was funny. <laughs> we were both in the document today, and I almost wanted to start chatting about the things that yeah. we were writing Well, about. I did kind of write I, back to you. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, I was restraining myself, though. Cool. Dear all listener, right. I was drinking coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I was um, drinking, washing, and sitting in bed. So yeah, yeah. I, I was with you. Okay, so we start with the cold open in 1868 Chicago. So we are um, 25 years before the date in the episode title. After an awesome ragtime rendition of the Marvel opening credits, we step out of a time door, um, picking up where we left off with Ravona Renslayer, Gugu Mbathu Ross. Uh, Who's awesome, looking- by the way. Yeah, yeah. This was really a showcase episode for her. Uh, she's looking for Miss Minutes, Tara Strong, also awesome. Uh, and this is where we left them in the season one finale. And Miss Minutes, she gave uh, Renslayer these coordinates, promising her to take her to the most important person at the end of time. So Renslayer's a bit like WTF when they roll up to a shanty town and she's told to shove the TVA manual, which is like basically corporate bathroom reading to her, through a random window. And this was the contingency plan, she's told, that he who remains made in case of his death. So Ravona does it with a side of snark. And on the other side of that window, we see a little boy making candles, a young Victor Timely played by Nasri Thompson. And this book is about to change his life, creating a new branched timeline. So first of all, what about that production design? The, um, the whole, so we, we mentioned this at the, in the intro doing period stuff is really dicey and it's a Mm. fine line between getting it right and getting it wrong. And this was a very stylized uh, historical thing, the way that they did the, and they did a very similar film grain feel to it as we do, we have in the TVA itself, but however they did it, whatever alchemy that they have, it felt right. You know, I felt like I was displaced in time into this place and the way that they, whatever they did, it it worked. And I I was really nervous when she when we started to pan back to the shanty town. We're like, I'm like, oh no, we're doing a time thing. Oh no! <laughs> and by the end of the episode, I was blown away at how good they they nailed this all. Yeah, I, I, I it was it was as soon as she stepped through the time Swept. door and <laughs> into the mud, it, yeah. right into the mud and. I was like, okay. And she's walking. I'm like, okay. And then the white folks are looking at her. I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> I right. said, oh boy. We we in some trouble here. We in some trouble here. Where are we? And get out the pruning stick because you're going to need it soon. Because <laughs> I'm like, yeah, these white folks don't want you walking around here, Ravona. Like you, 
owned the world and she stepped through that like she owned the world so it was really um it was really jarring to see how she played it in that time period Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. being a black woman in this time where she doesn't know where she's at but i know right i knew right Mm -hmm. that she was in a time period in a place where the way she was just walking confidently down the street Mm-hmm. down those mud alleys mm-hmm. would have put her in imminent danger. Mm-hmm. And I felt it yeah. like from, from get go. I loved the cold. I loved the opening with the ragtime music. Yeah, <laughs> it so, was, it was so cool that they did that. And I think it really helps set you. the vibe, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I heard it. It wasn't just I, a fun little, Oh, aren't we being cutesy? It helped us click into into yes. the mode. Yes, and I think that's what exactly what you just said. It clicked in my mind immediately. Like, oh shit, okay, this is where she's at. This is the time period that she's in, mm-hmm. and I right. and I'm just like, oh man, what is going to happen to her? Right, right. right. I like, wasn't even thinking about the other characters. Yeah, I was just simply thinking to myself, what is going to happen to her in this time period? Well, that yeah, she just... go ahead. I was just going to say to set the time period where we are in American history timeline, um, this is three years before the 13th Amendment abolishing slavery is ratified. Um, Now, luckily, she lands in Chicago, which Illinois was the first state to ratify that amendment. And it was long like an anti-slavery state. Uh, important in the Underground Railroad. They officially banned slavery in the state constitution in 1848, so about like 20 years before this. But obviously, yeah, these are still dicey times. Uh, it's better than her landing in Mississippi, but yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And and how much better is, you know, subject <laughs> at right. this point mm-hmm. of American history. But um, yeah, so they already set my mind in, into this into this time period with the, with the ragtime um, Marvel music, and then I'm just like, okay, I'm I'm locked into this episode because I need to see what's going on. I needed to see right. what's happening, so nice. they got me from jump. You know, I just snapped my fingers like instantaneously. They they got me. I was hooked. Yeah, I, I have to add in something else uh, along the American history dark side uh, line that wasn't covered in the episode, but uh, Chicago. I have to laugh every time I hear the name because it's actually a Potawatomi word. And yeah, my father's side of the family's Potawatomi. And in Potawatomi, it, lean, it means skunk or onions. So basically, this, <laughs> this was called like the Valley of, of Smelly Onions. <laughs> um, yeah, but you wouldn't see any Potawatomi at this time or at least few Certainly and far not. between because right. uh, in 19, sorry, in 1838 was the Trail of Death, which is the Potawatomi version of the Trail of Tears. Trail so of 30 tears. years before that, they were removed. Interesting. Because I think Chicago and the, that northern area too was also a, a destination for the Underground Railroad, right? As as mm-hmm. And then post-slavery too, folks moved up from the right. south up to the north. The Great industry, Migration. 20th yeah, the Great century. Migration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you had industry to draw people up into the er, these urban environments and things like that. So yeah, really wow. I didn't I didn't understand about the um, the Native American history as well and how that was part of that same region. And calling it skunk makes sense because of the fur trade, obviously from oh. the right. 18th, northern yeah. 18th, well, I think it was you know, about like the, 
that they used to grow onions in the in the valley where the city. <laughs> That's you know, that that makes even more sense. <laughs> Forget this fur trade. But I like it the was onion definitely business. no, it was definitely yeah. part of the fur trade because when I trace my ancestors back, um, I can find newspaper articles relating to that. So wow, okay. and yeah, with the Potawatomi's closest um, closest allies were the French. Like okay, so. I'm going to say a word in Jean, and I'm going to say Potawatomi word, and Jean, you tell me what you think it means. Bojo. I would say um, good day or hello. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's from bonjour. Yeah. 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 There you go. That's, wow. We yeah, got that's, some, uh, that's crazy. Yeah. That's via crazy. The French. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> some interconnectivity here. Awesome. Well, a- again, good writing leads to depth like this, right? Mm-hmm. You know, when people you go. care about the details. I don't know what they're talking about, these critiques, man. (laughs) (laughs) Look what we're doing over here. (laughs) Yeah, and who couldn't love Steamboat Miss Minutes? Right. Uh, I mean, come on, come on, come on. (laughs) That was a really great uh, detail. Again, attention to detail, right, And, and bringing that stuff around. Even when Miss Minutes was jumping around inside the barn, they lit up, like, the corner when she was hiding behind the table, yeah, you know, whether, yeah. whether it was post or practical, doesn't matter. It looked right when Ravona is talking that. to Miss Minutes. She it feels like she's looking at the right spot. So, however, they're doing the the magic ball on the stick kind of thing, whatever. They're nailing these details, these uh, VFX to practical this transition, which is really easy to screw up. Yeah. So, I think they're really. I think Marvel, but that's one thing that Marvel should be good at, and they're showing right. it to us here. Right, right. They should be able to to do that weird green screen person in a, a suit of ping pong balls kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No. Um, but yeah, where do you think Victor's parents are? Like, do you think, cause the reason I ask is we're going to obviously talk about this more in comics corner. So maybe I'm just like putting this in our minds to think about, but is he there on this timeline alone? Meaning could he have come from somewhere else or, you know, are his parents just at work or something? Yeah, I was confused, yeah. but in a but in a good way because I was asking yeah. those questions. Yeah. You know, I was I, asking I, those questions. I was like, okay, this is because when when she said put it under the 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 window, and then we we see this this little you know black boy sitting under the window, and I'm like, okay, I know who this is, right? But mm-hmm. in exactly. my mind, I know who exactly. it is, but I know who it is. Yes, right yeah, yeah. <laughs> from from my you know I know who it is, and I'm just like, okay, how? Why and what's going yeah. on here? And we'll talk yeah. about that later. Did I, I don't know about you guys, but I really felt Nasri uh, Thompson nailed the physical acting of Jonathan Majors. I felt that he mirrored Jonathan Major, what how Jonathan Majors would have performed that scene okay. pretty well. Yeah. I got a really nice physical vibe, the way he hunched, the way he moved his lips and, and was just, yeah. you know, around it it felt like a nice continuity because you can I there's a way to disassociate when you see a child actor playing a character from before you just go oh, okay well they just gotta you know and then as long as they kind of get the lines right you, you know we can suspend some disbelief there but I really felt connected to him as Victor Timely as Jonathan Majors okay yeah no impressive I'm always doubly impressed when kid actors do well because exactly yeah, yeah definitely definitely because you know I can't do it and I'm a grown man <laughs> <laughs> so uh what about this music too uh, yeah so yeah I love the I love like this new soulfully epic 
Loki talking music that they played over the opening. Um, mm-hmm. So Natalie Holt again for the win. Can't praise her enough. Did did so the music on the title card was that the Loki theme? I didn't the the TikTok. Uh, it, it seemed different to me, and I was yeah, wondering if it was, that was he who remains d- theme. Mm. I mean, but I I'm no gone, musician, so yeah. I mean, I haven't gone into a music analysis. I haven't like listened to them side by side, but it definitely. <laughs> right. But it definitely also felt different to me because it stood out to me. I was like, whoa, this is like heavier, darker, more powerful. Yeah, and it was. The it, it, it did the, have those tones. Yeah. yeah. And the same with the, the um, end credit uh, music was a much heavier, uh, darker. It was definitely the Loki theme, mm-hmm. but in this much more orchestrated way, darker and heavier. And didn't you say right. the, the what are we calling them? The head writers, the the... Because we'd call them showrunners normally, but we're, they don't have that title. I don't think the executive producers for this that the pair didn't they do? You say oh, they do the horror. directors, the yeah. directors, yeah, uh, yes. They their background is in like sci fi tinged horror. So I got that vibe on the front and the backside of this totally, and throughout mm-hmm. the episode, even though they weren't directing this stuff. episode though. No, uh, yeah, but but still, probably it was there. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I, yeah, I think there. the credit goes to Natalie Holt for that, but I'm, I, I do think it must be tied to the fact that some version of Kang is arriving this episode. Right. Yeah, there's a gravitas to that, mm-hmm. totally, and totally. It, it plays out in the music. Yeah, you know, like the a heaviness to like a seriousness to the tone. Even so though we're, we're having this fun. sagginess critique. Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah, get out of here with that. I mean, to get off our own, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the music is saying, even though you know mm. we're having a a fun time here. Yeah, but there's like this really dark oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. there's like this. The stuff is happening that you know is not really fun. So it's going to be interesting to see how they pay that off. Um, yeah. Cool. Okay. All right, let's roll. All right. So then we, we flash back to the TVA in time for a meltdown. The bombed branches from last week are growing back and they need to increase the diameter of the looms intake ring before it chokes on a knot of unprocessed time. But they can't open the blast doors without the temporal aura of he who remains or the administrative access of Miss Minutes. OB Kehui Kwan is um, doing his version of freaking out while the rest of the gang, Loki, Tom Hiddleston, Mobius, played by Owen Wilson, B-15, Wunmi Misaku, and Casey, Eugene Cordero, uh, try to stay calm and throw out ideas. The verdict? They're going to follow that hit on Renslayer's tempad so they can be, as Mobius puts it to Loki, face-to-face with the woman who tried to kill us both. Nice. So I love right. how they use this, like they, during the whole thing, loom status elevated is flashing auditorily <laughs> in the background. I love like they use this science gobbledygook that makes just enough sense to satisfy a science nerds, but mm-hmm. it's also like silly enough for people who don't give a shit to just like go along for the ride. Right. And Kei Kwan does a perfect job of saying, you know, garbage, garbage, yeah. and they're like, wait, what? Oh, the thing needs to be bigger. Boom. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> that's all you solved. need to know. Yeah. And we got to go on a, on a MacGuffin hunt. We got to find the person who can do the thing. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Great. Simple yeah. mechanics, right? The mechanics so are Trekky. straightforward. So, you know, yeah. So like, I just, I just, I just love like the, this, the sci-fi that just is just like, it's just sci-fi. <laughs> you know, it's science fiction. It's like, yeah, it's, it's so cool. Well, we have a fun yeah. line later too, which I, I'll, I put in the notes. What, what so, uh, yeah, just, Victor Timely says during his presentation. So, yeah. 
I do wonder why they're worrying about how much time they have in a place that might be out of time, but the past seems to affect the present in real time. So I'm hoping we're getting uh, some sort of answer this season about what the nature of time is within the TVA versus, you know, our reality or, you know, the all the timelines. Huh. Okay. Does that we need to talk about the loom? Because I think the loom. <laughs> yeah. I think the loom is it's manufactured bullshit. It's so, and, and this gets into the central tension, which again, we'll talk about later. I hate always saying that, but mm-hmm. we'll, there's some more better scenes to talk about it. But the fact that the TVA exists and whenever Loki talks about, Oh, it's, you know, world ending or all oh, we're going to die. Kehi uh, Kwan says, Oh, you know, the TVA is going to be destroyed. They always say the TVA is going to be destroyed. They don't say all time is going to be destroyed. They don't say existence Mm -hmm. in reality is doomed. They talk about the TVA. So if time is a naturally occurring phenomena and branch a timeline branches are conceivably a naturally occurring Mm -hmm. phenomena or part of the system, the system, you know, something happens and it forces a branch and the branch just sort of goes off. Well, it's just, it happens all the time, theoretically in our real world. Theoretically, of course. Exactly. And then if you have incursions, that's sort of, I'm kind of thinking of it weirdly as natural wildfire, right? Wildfire is normal, right? An electrical discharge happens, you know, there's human caused wildfires, but then there's naturally occurring wildfires, Systems have built to, to 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 adapt to that. So if you've got two branch timelines, they incur, they cause another branch timeline to form. That all feels part of the phenomena of the the existence of this, you know, uh, this world. So along comes, uh, you know, Kang, you know, to the X, you know, <laughs> infinite, whatever. Uh, uh, um, what do you call those little numbers on the back? Kang Prime. Let's say, let's go Kang Prime. Kang Prime. All right. And, uh, you know, creates a loom to harness energy, et cetera. That's an invented thing, right? Right. Gravity exists, but we figured out the Bernoulli effect so we could lift bodies into the air or we use rockets to push it, right? So we're, we're, we're working with the natural phenomena, but then we're building something to do something with it or against it, you know, to what have you. So I think the loom is complete and the TVA aren't naturally occurring things. Mm-hmm. They're built things. So the TVA is bullshit and the, the, the loom okay. is bullshit. And if it's blown up and destroyed, there's going to be some chaos, no doubt. Uh-huh. But it's not something that the loom is not necessary for timelines to exist naturally uh, occurring in, in this world. Okay. Yeah, you're so- absolutely right. So to piggyback on what you're saying, just pulling from what he says later in the episode when uh, we see Victor Timely giving his presentation, he says, time is the future of energy. The temporal loom, he says, inverts the temporal decay of the electricity flowing through it, uh, lowering its entropy and gathering it into fine threads of power. And so the real science translation of this is, so entropy is the word that's used to describe the fact that existence, um, that things just fall apart over time. So that's why your kitchen gets messier, wind wears down stone, that's all entropy. But apparently someone in the TVA, whether it's Obi or some version of Kang, has figured out how to reverse this process, which would be kind of like reversing the flow of time. And they can harness this to uh, get energy from it. So it's kind of like the dream of nuclear fusion that's Mm -hmm. always a decade away in reality, but (laughs) with reversing the actual flow of time. So even more impossible, 
But as Loki says, all science is fiction. Or sorry, as uh, Victor right. says, all science mm-hmm. is fiction until it's fact. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so he wants to, he says, I aim to power the entire planet with it. But then the question is indeed, so what is the TVA loom powering? Because that's what it was built to do to power something. Exactly. What is that and what's going on? And it certainly, well, we're jumping it. We're going to jump ahead here because yeah. we could talk about Kang, but yeah, it, it's something that to, to empower Kang to fulfill on his destiny that he perceives for himself. Right. Yeah. But we also have to remember what he he will remain said. Mm. Like they're branching these timelines to prevent other Kangs from coming into existence. Mm -hmm. So he already gave the game away in Mm -hmm. season one. He already told you why we're here. The TVA is not here because it needs to exist. The TVA is here so that this this Kang doesn't run rampage over all other timelines. No, that this Kang can exist. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Can Mm -hmm. be King. Yeah. He's, he who remains is the catalyst for the TVA. The TVA 100%. has highfalutin, you know, ideals that the, you know, the 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 bureaucracy, the the workers are are uh, being told. But the existence of this thing, this entity, is wholly in the service of Kang. Hundred percent. And they told us that in season one. They told us this in season one. The TVA doesn't need to exist. It could blow up. Yep. Because the only thing that it, it really will affect is Kang. Right. Mm-hmm. Life will go on. Exactly. Time will flow. Exactly. As intended. Right. Because the TVA is the anomaly. The TVA, to me, is the thing that it's an should Ill, Ill, not Ill, exist. Right. It's the unnatural part of, of Yes. This. Right. That's what I think. Man. And I love how they've kind of snuck it in on us because we're all on Loki's side, you know, or theoretically our point of view. So we're going to kind of identify with him and we're, and Sylvie's this antagonist. So it's, I think it's a really great thing to, I, I had the flash of the loom as I was watching the previously on for this episode. And then I was like, Oh, wait a minute. The, the loom is, you know, so if the show is doing its job, it's dropping hints and clues and creating a pattern where our human brains can sort of make some deductions about what they're doing with the show. That's good writing. Mm-hmm, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just straight up. That's just good writing. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to. Don't apologize for it. Don't apologize. No, yeah, no, no. Don't apologize. They for need to apologize something. for their critiques, man. <laughs> yeah. They need to apologize. We're Aww. not apologizing. This is not an apology podcast. No, nope. no, it is not. <laughs> we all have different, different tastes, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the visual side's looking pretty good too, right? Yeah. 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 So yeah. I, I got a soapbox again. Sorry for if I'm hogging the mic here a little bit. The, um, I, I wanted to point out the, the camera work in this particular scene. So we've got two groups of characters on the far side of a room. We have a big space and we have a big thing happening. So it's very easy for the audience, for us to be disassociated and not feel the the heat of the moment, right? So one of the things that they've done in this, and they're doing throughout the episode and probably for the series, but I'm only just sort of waking up to this now, is that they're using all the tricks in the book of how to shoot different scenes, locked on wide shots, intermediate shots, steady cam follow shots, uh, walk and talk shots. 
So we go from like wide scenes to close-ups where somebody's talking. And then the thing that really caught me was when Loki walks from one side of the room to the other, the camera is in front of him. And so he's walking towards the camera and the camera's backing up. He gets over to that group over there. The camera kind of comes out to a medium shot, gets everybody. They talk, they zoom in a couple of times on some faces. And then when they decide to make their decision, they leave off then the camera spins around and then zooms in on the computer screen. So we're just getting a a whole bunch of, and it's not a one, I mean, there's long takes and individual shots, but the whole scene is is made up of of several others. And it is really, really expert level, uh, not only shooting, but editing. The way that they edit everything together to give us the close-up so that I'm connected to Loki, I'm connected to Ouroboros, I feel the intensity. I get the humor when uh, Mobius says, well, we can hack into the system. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so all that energy is there uh, as we move across the scene. But then I get the whole, I get the sense of the control room and the totality of how big the TVA is and how big this sort of time thing is. So just, and then they do it later in the Chicago scenes and crowd shots when we go wide and then we go narrow again. Really, really, really excellent camera work and I cannot praise the filmmakers enough for all the work that they're doing and the editors because the editor is hitting the shots and the, and the transitions perfectly. So I don't know if, if you're, if you nerd out on that kind of stuff, like I do, I'm no expert. Mm -hmm. I just like enjoy it. Definitely start paying attention to how they're um, using camera to tell the story, how the camera is in service of the story here. Okay, I'll take it back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I have to compliment them. Also, you know, you said about we can hack into the system. It's just this was such a funny <laughs> episode too. You know, it's like we can hack into the system. Oh, really? That's such a relief. No, I'm wondering. <laughs> like, just all the comedy hit this episode. So many good lines. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. Okay, so maybe um, we should move on. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> moving moving on <laughs> to get to the title of the episode, eighteen ninety three, Chicago, and now, <laughs> and now we know uh, that this is the a branched timeline. So apparently, dropping off uh, the book has changed things. From it's no longer the sacred timeline, uh, right. but so. Loki and Mobius, they follow Renslayer, the Renslayer Trace to 1863. And unlike Renslayer, they were properly dressed for the occasion, as always. <laughs> and uh, they're wondering right in front of young Victor Timely's open window, what major figure could possibly arise from this like, time and place? But they follow the trace on to 1893, and oh, that makes more sense. They walk right into the heart of the history making Chicago World's Fair. And again, production design. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Great. Just great. Yeah. yeah. And um, we we got that. Uh, you guys familiar with H.H. Holmes? Yeah. I was going to – I put a note in, in the uh, outline for this. Uh, I read a book, oh, maybe it was a decade ago, uh, called The Devil in the White City by Eric Larson, which was published in 2003. And it talks about all this stuff. So if you're looking – if you're if this piques your curiosity – I won't say that Devil in the White City is the the best written book of the historical analysis that I've, you know, this modern, the sort of contemporary style of finding an interesting thing in the past and pulling it forward and, and examining it. But it does dump a lot of history and it talks about how Chicago developed and it talks about how the the fair came to be. 
but then it goes into deep. The main core of the story is the the Holmes murder and the the ho- hotel and all of that stuff. Yeah, they had a, in the newspaper they're looking at in the show. There was an ad in there that said H.H. Uh, H. Holmes, oh. and it was for the hotel, which is now called the Murder Hotel. But um, yeah, so he allegedly killed a bunch of people, but yeah. later they they caught him and tried him and hanged him in Philadelphia. Um, and he confessed to all these deaths, but some of the murders he confessed to were people like already alive, and he seemed to like to play up his notoriety once he got caught. So we're not sure how much is actually mm-hmm. true. And how much a sensation, but hmm. it is if for people who are interested in serial killers, he's a favorite because he's it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. And the 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 devil in the white city goes. That's the the core of the story about how this guy lures um, all these women into his. And it, oh, so that's weird because that that ties across to the Zaniac stuff. Yes, mm-hmm. which is this misogynistic mm-hmm. uh, impulse that gets you know put into a an individual like this put into, I don't know. I, I don't know how to describe this, but anyway, this, yeah. this sort of, you know, gruesomeness anyway. Possesses. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and on the opposite side of evil, have you guys noticed how many food references there are in this show? <laughs> I love the, the, the Cracker Jack stand is in a high traffic area and it's necessary and logical to go there. I agree. <laughs> but it seems like you also pointed out, David, something about there was like a hot dog in the pneumatic tube. It was banana. A banana, sorry. Yeah, so and it's in the ending credits as well. So during, mm. if you watch the ending credits, you'll see one of the new pneumatic tubes that has a banana in it. But when was it last episode or the episode before? Well, there's only two other episodes to go to. So <laughs> I think it's when they're walking to the automat um, on the um, the uh, what do you call those filing cabinets? There is a pneumatic tube, and we get a close up of it as they're walking and talking. So it's kind of weird, but there's a really browned banana in one of these tubes. Yeah. Um, they show that shot again in the closing credits. So, hmm. Yeah. And there's know, all the, just, like the popcorn and pie and stuff. Pie, references. Yeah. yeah. Uh, interesting. It's um, fun. Another fun little filmmaking Easter egg. They did a circle wipe transition at the end of the scene, which looks like yes. an aperture closing on a camera. Notice and that. And so that's like the nod to the very earliest filmmaking. This year right, was right, the year right. that the kinetoscope from, well, it was from Edison on paper, but we'll get into why Edison's a bastard in just a moment. But he basically <laughs> <laughs> he basically saw something that a man, an Englishman named Edward Moybridge had, had made, and he met with him and was like, oh, tell me all about your zopraxitope. Praxiscope, sorry. And uh, then he went back to his lab assistant, William Kennedy Dixon, and was like, make this, and then slaps his name on the end. And that's how Edison worked. And yeah, that the kinetoscope, it debuted. It was supposed to be at the World Fair, but I think he was a little salty about something we'll talk about in a minute. So it ended up debuting in Brooklyn instead in uh, May of that year. But it was immediately made irrelevant two years later when the Lumiere brothers showed people a train rushing at their heads in a projection. And that's what became movie-making technology. So, Interesting. So this um, this episode is packed with stuff because we're going to – you've got this World's Fair lore bomb about to <laughs> go yeah. off. They're about to drop. So, so. They're about to drop. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. So hang on, um, listeners. Strap in. Here we go. You're about to learn why the Chicago World's Fair is one of the coolest moments in history. 
So yeah, world's fairs used to be big deals in general. And they were, the idea was like to share culture and technology before we had like the internet. So they don't seem like as big a deal now, but actually they do technically still happen. Um, there was one in 2020. Well, it's supposed to be in 2020, happened in 21 in Dubai. And the next one's in Belgrade in uh, 27. They're called Expos now. Um, but yeah, right, they've it was been a taking, way to bring people together, right? Bring and people to together. Yeah. Yeah. It's not as necessary now, but it, when it started back in Prague in 1791, it was just blowing people's minds. Um, okay. And there's even another one in Chicago in 1933. But this, this is one of the most famous in history. It was called the World's Columbian Exposition in honor of Christopher Columbus, speaking of uh, Native American genocide. <laughs> and it took place exactly. around Jackson Park, which they drained and landscaped during this. And after that, it was like a nice public park. So that's why we saw it was like swampy when we saw it in the previous time. Right. And now it's... Mm. In the book and that it, I referenced, the the mm -hmm. author goes into a lot of the how they had to landscape and build out the World's Fair. It was a huge, huge undertaking. Yeah. And obviously there were a lot of power and money deals that were going on in there and that kind of stuff. But yeah, there's a there's a really fat if you're into interested in urban planning and how cities develop, it's a, that's got a really good part of the book. Yeah. And the the title of that book and also uh, Mobius name dropped this, it, it refers to the fact that it was called the exposition area was called the White City because they yeah. did this whole Beaux-Arts neoclassical design thing, you know, a lot like the White House uh, in the US. And yeah, the whole thing covered 2.8 kilometers, square kilometers, or that's 690 acres for people who know what that means. Um, <laughs> and it had a man-made lake, which is still there, and canals and lagoons and hundreds of temporary buildings representing 46 countries and the world's first Ferris wheel, which is still called a Rueda de Chicago in some Latin countries. Uh, and they also had like other inventions, like the first moving walkway. So airports rejoice. The first squashed penny souvenirs, important things, world shaking stuff. <laughs> really the first squashed <laughs> coins. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so I uh, did a little wiki reading about the Ferris wheel because I, I read something else about the Ferris. Maybe it was in that same book. I don't remember. I was interested at one point about Ferris wheels and and how they came up. And, and so one of the, just a factoid about the Ferris wheel. Uh, Ferris wheels and round writing uh, uh, entertainment things like that have been around, I think, since Roman times. They went pretty far back. They had some circular things with chairs on them. So I don't know what our human fascination with that is, but the it's it wasn't a new concept. The engineering, I think, what was what was new. And George Washington Gale Ferris Jr. is the guy who who built it, and obviously from from his modern designs have spawned, you know, all the different things that we see now. Apparently there were on this particular one in Chicago, which was demolished and rebuilt, I think three different times and then, and then dismantled. And I, I shouldn't say demolished, but dismantled and rebuilt like two more times. And, um, you know, the, at some point, all of the, the materials and metals got, you know, handed off and, and out and around, but there's still some remnants, original remnants of it around, that there were 36 cars and they each had 40 revolving chairs that could uh, accommodate up to 60 people total in the car. So uh, about 2,160 people could be riding at any given one time. And that carried some 38,000 passengers on a daily basis. So I don't know how long the fare ran, but I think it was a huge, huge deal. Six months. Six yeah. months. Yeah. Wow. 
And uh, it took, and I didn't understand this part in the wiki article. It said it took 20 minutes to complete two revolutions. So apparently there was like, you could go around and then get off and then get back on again and then go around another time. Or maybe just the whole ride was, it took you around twice. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. And then they would switch people. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, it was very cool. And it was a very, very big deal. So interesting that it becomes a very center part of this episode as well. Yeah. Yeah. The World's Fair was like, a lot of firsts. First introduction mm-hmm. of brownies, of juicy fruit gum, cream what? of wheat, shredded <laughs> wheat, cracker jacks, which was referenced in the episode, of course, yep. and Pap's blue ribbon uh, beer, which every college student will. Wow. <laughs> okay. wow. And yeah, they had like the craziest entertainments. Obviously, the Ferris wheel, but also Houdini, American artists, famous musicians from around the world. And there was, they had several balloons in the episode, but actually, there was one balloon and it wasn't really a hot air balloon. It was hydrogen filled balloon, which is, yeah, hot air or lighter gas, either way, makes balloons rise, um, still mm-hmm. used today. Uh, and that was called the Airship Chicago. Uh, that was the most expensive thing, the attraction at the fair. So the ticket price was $2, which is like $68 today. Wow. And The Ferris cost, wheel is 50 cents. Whoa. Yeah. And it costs 50 cents to enter the overall fare. So. Okay. But the hot air balloon, or sorry, the hydrogen balloon lasted only a month because a powerful windstorm came in July and ripped the <laughs> balloon apart. So wah, wah. Wow. <laughs> but there are a lot of iconic photos of it, which is why they had to include it in this episode. Um, Very cool. Yeah, I'm sure yeah, the Chicago oh, residents, our Chicago listeners could attest to the high winds that uh, yeah. affect the area. It is known for it, yeah. And yeah, um, yeah the fair re- indeed ran six months and 27 million people attended. Um, it, yeah, it was showing off that Chicago had recovered from the fire in 71, and it also helped build the U.S. reputation around the world. This was uh, in the U.S. called mm-hmm. the Gilded Age. And so this was the era of robber barons, which is, remember that turn, it'll come back, term, it'll come back this episode. Do you episode. have a note about this? Well, yes, Do you have a note um, about this later? About about a character called the robber, robber baron. baron. About the, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So the rob so the robber barons are basically um, in our real world. They were the big famous names we see on buildings now, like Gould, Rockefeller, Vanderbilt, Carnegie, J.P. Morgan. Um, these are the people who started the railroads and you know really made the money off of the backs of everyone else and built American uh, reputation and industry abroad. Right. But um, one other famous name that they mentioned twice in this episode is Edison. And how Edison, dare they mention yeah. him twice and <laughs> Tesla, not at all. <laughs> so... Because this is this um, this fair is also the centerpiece of what was called the Current War, where Edison and his General Electric were the pushing. The Current War is dir- in as in electrical current. Uh, yes, yeah, so Edison right. and and General Electric were pushing direct current, um, mm-hmm. and Westinghouse was pushing um, alternating current, which was licensed from Nikola Tesla, and. They were at odds with each other, these two companies, and um, Edison was hawkishly protective of his own copyrights, even though he wasn't known to infringe upon others, as we talked about. Um, but the Westinghouse uh, with Tesla, they bid, they underbid Edison for the World's Fair, and so they won, and they powered the entire fair. But of course, Edison was like going to be petty about it, so they're not allowed to use Edison light bulbs there. So they had to invent new ones that didn't <laughs> use his technology and his patent. But they weren't they b- burned out too quickly, so they had like an army of people ready to constantly replace the light bulbs. <laughs> but they right, won. Um, 
And there was wow. an electricity building with commercial exhibitors, including both Edison and Tesla. There were no time looms present, but Tesla did demo. So you know. <laughs> yeah, as far as we know. But Tesla did demo wireless uh, lighting system. Mm-hmm. And so um, makes me Induction. wonder, is Timely literally replacing Tesla on this timeline? Good because question. he was, you know, quote unquote, pulling electricity out of air, but with a time twist. Um, although he was using more of the charlatan techniques of Edison. But yeah, if if you're interested in more in the current war, I also have to rec- uh, recommend The Prestige, which stars Wolverine, Black Widow, and Gore the God Butcher. Okay. It's, you know, the forgotten Marvel property by Christopher Nolan. Okay. <laughs> Shaw's <laughs> laughing. Is that a good one? That's, that's a good one. That's a right. good one. <laughs> um, I think, isn't it true that all those little USB power blocks that we have that we plug into the wall that you then plug into your phone, you know, to get charged. That's a DC AC converter, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, basically uh, Edison kind of ended up winning the current war in the short term, but then people realized that actually maybe the other system was better later. Right. So much of our electronics that we have, all those power bricks and all that you have, those are all AC DC converters as I understand it. I'm, I'm no electrician, but but yeah. Edison was just, he was such a good businessman. He wasn't really the inventor himself, mm, but he was good at talking Putting his people. name on things? Yes, he was good <laughs> at putting his name on things and selling them. Yeah, Right. Which is what Victor Timely, well. Yeah, there's aspects eh, of. Flim flammy, yeah, yeah, exactly. Aspects of both of them in Victor Timely. Yeah. Sounds yeah. familiar. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Set my name on some on some buildings here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Whew. Well, good, good deep dive. I guess we're coming up now from the the uh, the, the deep dive. Thanks for doing that. That's so so lorehoundy <laughs> to go off on a complete tangent like that. That's awesome. But I think it's really fascinating because the show is using the the, the fair as a playground for these characters to run out, and it's it it gives the historical import, the importance, the gravity, if you will, for the inflection point of that's happening here. And again, good writing pays off because it means that we're um, this scene has greater importance because of how they've placed it and where they've placed it. Super interesting. Right. Agree. Agree. All right. Shall we get into the timely demo um, where the characters (laughs) converge? So after Lokbius explores the grounds, including the Norway pavilion where Loki has been snubbed, <laughs> they see a sign for Victor Timely's temporal marvels and everyone converges in the tent. We've got Lokbius, we've got Renslayer, Miss Minutes in a bag and a prototype time loon operated by the maybe once in future he who remains and or Kang, Jonathan Majors and a douchey white dude credited only as Robber Baron, yes. Richard Dixon, <laughs> who keeps calling him boy. <laughs> I was watch. I noticed that in the uh, closed captioning, they in, when his lines came up, it just said "Robber Baron." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, very funny, very good. <laughs> well played with the history. Yeah. That's right. So, Balder the Brave, uh, that was a snub, and I loved that. So they've done this a couple times now, right? Where we're getting more deeper, interesting retrospectives and points of view on Loki's background. And he stood there for a moment after Mobius walks away and there's a little pang of emotion on his face. And then he sort of dismisses it with a joking reference to like Odin's stature. And I, I just felt that that was a nice little soulful moment for Loki and gave us Mm -hmm. a, 
an opening for something that's going to be that's that's happening and will happen with Loki's character. Did you guys? I, I just thought I just thought it was cool that they finally <laughs> put Balder in an MCU yeah. uh, show. That's, that's that's what I was saying. I was going to talk yeah. about it in the comics quarter, but I might as well talk about it now. Yeah, I'm please. Like, Go. I mean, cook, cook for anybody who's a who's a, a reader of Thor comic books, like myself, like scores of other folks. We have always asked, where is Balder in the MCU? Because uh-huh. um, he's an important part of, of the Thor um, pantheon, right? Of, of, of mm-hmm. those stories, especially in, in the modern age, um, because he, he took up a lot of, of real estate over the last 10, 15, 20 years when, um, you know, they, they rebooted Thor in the comics and Ragnarok happened and um, he basically became the the de facto king of Asgard on, mm-hmm. on Earth in New Broxton, Oklahoma. Um, New Asgard in Broxton, Oklahoma. So there's there's a whole lot of storytelling that, you know, intertwines with Loki um in the last twenty years with Balder. And we've always I've always said to myself, you know, I, I thought he's a cool character to have um included in the, you know, Asgardian um, side of, of the MCU and I'm hoping that this is a door that opens and then we get to see him walk through it. Do you, so the rumor, well, I mean, more than a rumor, we know that Daniel Craig was cast to play him in, um, in multiverse of madness, but then it ended up not working out for COVID reasons. Do you hope we keep that casting? Um, I, I like Daniel Craig. I think he'll, he'll do fine. Um, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just not, you know, yeah. the, the thing for me is that with, with the casting of, of characters, I always like to see how folks do in, in mm-hmm. the role. You know what I mean? I, I don't want to prejudge anything. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I'll be, I'll be cool with him being in it. But again, it's just like, you know, I, I've wanted to see Balder included in, in the Asgardian stories of the MCU. And yeah. I, I really do hope that it opens up because he's he's a he's a cool foil to to Loki yeah. in ways that Thor isn't. Um, yeah. Because he Loki really likes to to play Balder and Thor off of each other mm-hmm. um, in the comics in their stories um, and this revolving trio of brothers uh, vying for you know the love of Odin and the love of Frigga and um, just to see who can be on top um, between the three of them is Mm -hmm. really an interesting uh, play. So I would love to see Balder um, come into the MCU. Yeah, no, it's interesting because he's Thor's quote unquote real half brother, like blood sharing other than Loki being adopted and not in the comics, but in Norse mythology, Loki is responsible for killing Balder. He Balder, kills him directly, yeah, actually, yeah. yeah, with mistletoe. So, yeah, it, it is an interesting tension they set up. Although I wonder, I do think they'll bring them in. I wonder if they'll cast younger, like they did with younger with Wonder Man, where they were going to have Nathan Fillion, and then a few years went by, and they're like, no, we're going to go for someone younger and hotter. <laughs> <laughs> that that would be. I mean, since they they are gearing to to have a younger MCU. That would make sense, mm-hmm. right? It, it would definitely yeah. make sense if they did that. So we'll see. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Can I just point to again? This is called good writing. 
Yeah. And then even and like, with the MCU sort of, you know, yet red yarn leading out to other future properties or whatever, it was dropped in. It gave us a character beat. It built the world. It built potential future things. So judiciously employ, employed MCU device used really well. Good job. And, and, and like you said, it, it, it paid homage to the stories in, in the comics because you saw Loki's reaction to seeing yeah. Balder, <laughs> exactly. right? Mm-hmm. You saw his reaction yeah. like, okay, I'm not up there. How come? Right. Which, mm-hmm. which ties in to 2012 Loki saying, you know, in the previous episode that he did those things because he was mad at his father. And then he's looking at his dad going, I miss my right. dad. And he's looking at his dad. dad, right? He's looking at his dad. He's looking at Thor and he's looking at Balder. And it's just like, this is bringing up all of that stuff. All of that. All of that. Really so, good And stuff. it's subtle, right? It's not, doesn't it's subtle. hit it's you over the head subtle. with it. It's very mm-hmm. subtle. Very subtle. Really nice. Um, also, just as an aside, I think we might have to watch Mobius is drinking. This is his second reference <laughs> in as many episodes to liking a good drink. <laughs> that is true. That is true. TVA will do that to you. Yeah, and I like how they also, um, when Victor Timely is giving his explanation, he calls uh, what the time loom does. We already talked about that earlier. We won't rehash it, but he calls it a chaos of particles transformed into order. Now, there seems to be a through Mm. line in especially this episode of chaos versus order. Mm -hmm. It seems to keep coming back in the dialogue. Yeah, well, I think we should save that for Sylvie when we talk about Sylvie later. Yeah, yeah. So, but that's, I didn't notice it actually in this, but that's a good call. And I have to say one thing that I maybe loved a little less. It doesn't really bother me, but the I liked his chemistry with Renslayer was fantastic, as I would expect. But I don't love two women, quote unquote, women fighting over <laughs> quote unquote yeah. Kang or whatever. Right, <laughs> right. So I, I do hope that um, the way Three, this episode really. ends. Three, really. One who wants well, to kill him and two that want yeah, to, Yeah, but know, you know what I mean. The two yeah, yeah. who are fighting in a romantic way. Yeah. Sure, but then it's three women circling around him. You right. Know, so. That's like, I mean, Sylvie just wants to kill him. That's yeah, exactly. That's yeah. acceptable. <laughs> we, we, we'll accept that. You know, but I, I watching that, that, that scene with, with, you know, Victor Timely trying to sell this product mm-hmm. that he has, like, and he, he doesn't even know if, if it if it if it works right, <laughs> you know what I mean. He was like, "I'm just trying to sell this thing." He he's <laughs> like he's he's like a, a a creepy salesman. You know what I mean? He's like he's not Kang at this moment. No, right? no, no. He's, he's uh, not. He's he's a human being who's who's trying to get over under rubes. Like I'm trying to, you know, I'm but here. He's at trying this to world fund there. his other material. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. He, yeah. he has a he has a goal in, in mind. Yeah. And we get, and we understand that when he, you know, I don't know if I'm jumping, uh, I might be jumping ahead a little bit, but when he- We're slipping into yeah. <laughs> time slipping. When, when he, you know, tells Ravona, you know, I only sell my things here. It's not where I live. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Right. I only come here to, hey, to the cha- you know. Hey, the taxes are lower in Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You know, like, I only come here to, you know, get, get some to money hustle. off of these. Because you can't keep dummies. hustling in the same spot because you're going to get known. Right, right. So, I don't live here. Yeah. I, I come make my money here. Mm. He's a hustler, mm. you know. And I, yeah, I I've known a lot true. of people like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't, you don't shit where you eat. You know what I mean? It's like you I burn your rep after a while. Where I'm and at, and then when, I'm out. 
to cross streams here a little bit in Andor. That's the problem that Cassian has at the beginning in, in mm. episode one. Uh, is mm. that his his games, everybody's getting tired of his games and you can only run that for so long. So, yeah. So by the way, if people are wondering what kind of bank um, Victor's making, that $1,000 that he got for his prototype uh, time loom is worth about 34K today, but it seems like he's making a lot of these sales. Uh, you also noticed the stooge he has planted in the crowd where yes. we see him get paid later. You saw him at the beginning too? Yeah, yeah. So when Mobius and um, uh, Loki walk in, I had to remember the name of the main character. Uh, <laughs> as they walk in, they pass by the bar. And so we see the Hornswoggler uh, sitting there having a drink, which is funny because the robber baron calls him a Hornswoggler, yes. which means to trick or to deceive. So again, historically accurate uh, reference. So, And Loki is a trickster and a deceiver. Himself, mm -hmm. right? So extra, extra. And so is Kang. I wonder apparently. how much they're going to see, yeah, understand each other, see eye to eye a bit. Yeah. Loki's a lot more timely. like Kang than Thanos. Absolutely. Well, and, and well a lot more like Victor Timely. Right, mm. okay. This right. Victor Timely. This Victor right. Timely. So this is great. Like They're playing with characters. They're inverting them. They're waving them around each other, giving us different points of view at them. And if a character has dimensionality, we can spin around them and see these different facets. So that's, right. that's what I was saying before about the show not being empty calories. There's actually nutrition here. There's yep. actually interesting stuff going on. I, yeah. I got to call out the camera work again in this episode. So when they come into this room, we get this great, a couple of these great wide shots where, and they do this too, also out on the fairgrounds where Loki and Mobius are in the back and they're small and they're mixed in with a huge crowd of people. I don't know how they did it on the fairgrounds. I think it might've been a CGI composite, but in here, this felt like a room full of people. So we, we, we hear their voices clearly though. So we maintain the intimacy, but we understand the scope and the scale of the room that they're in. But mm. then they bring us in close as they're moving through and then they pop us back out again. So they keep bringing us in at these different um, depths, if you will, from the wide to the medium to the, to the close-ups. And it really serves the storytelling in letting us know how many people are in this room, what's going on. This is a show, right? This isn't a performance. There's an audience here, but yet we're still connected to our characters and we can understand the immediate action with the intermediate shots. So really well done. And then this scene transition, when the room goes dark, on and it's uh, Loki and Mobius. I went, what did you call it? Lokbius? <laughs> Lokbius are there. Um, and they go, it goes dark on their faces. And then suddenly we have an, an arched, uh, a lit arch, right? That's over the stage. And then we bring in the, the stage. So that's a scene cut going from, you know, our primary characters to what's about to ha happen here. But they did it in the effect of the room, of the room going dark, spinning the camera around and then showing us the, the stage. So expertly bringing this across. And it's just really chef's kiss. It's just really well done scene transition. So yeah. the energy and motivation and all of this stuff carries from one thing to the other. And I feel transported along with it. I feel like I'm in that room going dark and suddenly the stage lights up and you know that's where my focus is. So yeah, again... Really, really phenomenal stuff. 
Yeah. And, and before we 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 go, I, I, the thing that 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 struck me in this scene as well was again, I always you know I, I can't help but go back to the time periods that we're in, right? When um when Loki says, "Oh, this that's him, he who remains," mm. and, and Mobius is saying, "This guy, you know, yeah, just, ooh, yeah. is this this guy," but I'm I'm I, I was watching him on on stage, and I and I was thinking like, how much of this this act that he's putting on is him and how much it is it of an act for white folk mm-hmm. because of the time period that we're in. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's, there's this, there was this, this knowing feeling that I, that, that I had was that I'm watching somebody who is knowingly aware of his station in life at this particular moment and how he's playing within those themes, mm-hmm. right? Um, so it, it it just makes me wonder how much of of Victor Timely, this Victor Timely that we're that we're seeing, is actually Victor Timely, and how much is it is an act for to to not seem as smart as he is, to not right. seem as knowledgeable. And as capable as he is, because that itself is a danger in this time period to his well-being. You is it is it gasp. something? Right. Yeah. When right. he corrected so, the robber baron. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So and, and it, that puts us on that danger moment too. We're yeah. thinking, okay, are right. they going to go there? Right. Right. And, and they just and give us a little bit of it. That's you know that's um that's also part of my uh, uh of my reaction to the portrayal of, of, of the character, because it felt like this would be something that one could do mm-hmm. in order to, to be unassuming, you know, uh, a large black man in a room full of, of white folk who at any moment could take your life. You know, you walk through those doors you have to put on an effect that is mm-hmm. not threatening. That is yeah. not, um, I know more than you. You know what I mean? Uh, so, yeah, there's, a, there's there were a lot of things at play with his portrayal um, for me as, as I was watching uh, the, the scene unfold. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the, the tension that they built around that, once that guy said you know, challenged him and he retorted, I was, yeah. Ooh, my energy levels ramped up and like, mm-hmm. what is this? And how is this going to go down? Yeah. And then, and then also it rolls when- into a, you know, a whole flim flam thing. And then they play it off comically later with the mechanical yes. pants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, and then when, when he, he says, I don't do partners. Mm-hmm. You got like that first tinge of, is that really who he is? Mm-hmm. Right. And is everything else, you know, fake? Right. Yeah, I'm that wondering fr- the that same little thing. hint. Yeah. That little hint of, hmm, something's not. What What really is going on here? So, so this is yeah. yeah, and I don't want to relitigate Major's performance here in totality. One thing that I noticed though that I was expecting was when he comes off stage, does he dial it back by twenty percent? So that he's a little bit more fluid and less uh, a little bit in his head. 
so that we know it's an affect it's a public yeah. a- affectation. He does, but it, he carried it all the way through. He, he was pretty consistent yeah, he with carried, it. Yeah, he he, he does have more of a stammer in private conversations, so maybe he's speaking purposefully like this mm-hmm. to avoid. Mm. Sure, with more with more intentionality, right? Because mm-hmm. he's in a performance. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Sorry, my flirt is, is acting a- up. Flirt, flirt, okay. and alert. <laughs> <laughs> It's a feature of our podcast. Not <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, Ghosts it is. cannot be ignored on the podcast. No. no. Yeah. Mine was here earlier. wanted to go mm-hmm. outside, but it's pouring rain. So, yeah, you know, same here. Sorry. <laughs> cool. Um, by the way, yeah, I also have to shout out, there's a cool cameo in this whole World's Fair sequence. Um, there's a jazz quartet on stage at one point. And in right the when center, they walk in, it's the first yeah. thing. Yeah. And uh, on stage in the center playing trumpet is the composer herself, Natalie. Oh, man, that's that's so cool. (laughs) That's cool. So cool. Fun. Fun when, when, you know, you can, it does carry too into a, uh, into a production when it feels like the team is having fun and pulling together and everything. Yeah, definitely. You know, we felt that in foundation, you know, uh, we felt that I think it parts in Ahsoka, you know, regardless of the problem, you know, like the, the warmth that Rosario Dawson actually has with Christian Haydenson, right? Like mm-hmm. yeah. on screen together. Yeah. There's an, you feel ex- it. maybe I'm making that up, but it just felt like there was, you a, felt it. I felt it. Yeah. I felt it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so little, a little thing like that where Natalie Holt gets to be in there. That's cool. It gives me, gives me vibes you know yeah yeah well now the uh, midway action is ramping up uh, and Lokbius wants to take victor back to the tva to help unlock the blast doors so ob can retrofit the temporal loom to handle all the new branching timelines but ravona and miss minutes want to team up with him to put things back the way they were before with the three of them or maybe just the two of them on top and then enter Agent of Chaos, Sylvie, who has vowed to whack-a-mole every variant of this dude that pops up. Um, Loki's already started recklessly using magic to get someone who wanted to fight him out of his way. And there's a Kaiju Miss Minutes on the loose. Uh, this Colombian exposition is way, it's way better than anyone in our universe got. <laughs> I and love then, your yeah. takes on your, in, your, uh, in your descriptions, Alicia. These are great. <laughs> um. Yeah, so you guys, team Kill All Kangs, team Save the TVA, or team Total Reset? I'm, I'm, I'm team. I love that. You know, what was, was there in Ghostbusters? The, the, the Stay Puff Marshmallow mm-hmm. Giant yeah. Ghost <laughs> Miss Minutes. That's, that's as soon as I saw, her, I, I, I was transported back to that movie. Oh, really? <laughs> as a yeah, <laughs> and when she was walking through the street, oh, I'm coming to get you. I, I, I nearly fell out of my seat. You that know was, what I got was, was uh, Miss Pac-Man vibes. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's yeah, a good yeah. one, too. That's a good one, too. Because um, she had that ghost shape. She had that little sort of, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, fringy yeah, thing underneath. The so. skirt, yeah. And she was having fun, scared yeah. all the time. She was. She was. <laughs> she was. Um, and she wanted praise afterward. Yes. She did, right? Yeah. She did. <laughs> She's like, I did good, right? Yeah. Like, Team Kang dies or Kang yeah. lives. You guys know where I stand on this. I need yeah. well, Kang to. Yeah, let's go, Kang. I'm Team Kang all the way. Baby. Are you seriously? <laughs> Absolutely. Are you kidding me? I'm Team Kang all the way. I the the Kang thief of so- all free will. Yes. 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 <laughs> I'm definitely. I'm definitely not Team Total Reset. I. Mm-hmm. 
not on board with Renslayer Miss Minutes plan as of this moment. But I also don't know if I can do like Team Save the TVA either. If I mean, I understand if like Lokbius, if they think that this is what they need to do to save everything, that's one thing. But, you know, we've already been talking through maybe this is all kind of bullshit and the TVA doesn't actually need to exist at all. Um, so it's hard to be on any of these teams right now for me. I don't want I don't care about the TVA. Yeah. I <laughs> want Kang to exist. That's that's it. I'm team Kang. Whatever <laughs> whatever that means, that's the team that I'm on. Right. I'm all, I, I want to see. Pan, I want to see the conqueror come through, boy. That's, okay. that's all I, I'm team, I I'm team the, OB at this yeah, point. I think. Yeah, <laughs> I want to see the conqueror come through. I want to. Yeah, I'm, I'm here for that. That's that's what I'm intending on. on I'm, I'm, you know, I'm like an evil scientist. I'm just rubbing my hands together. I'm like, uh, I want to twirl my mustache. I want to do all of that stuff. So yeah, I'm Team Kang all the way. I need Kang to live. Um. The TVA can go, kick yeah, rocks. I, yeah, they they can kick rocks, you know. Right. Well, then everybody, you know, they've all been plucked out of timelines, right? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, and you know, it's an artificial thing that we've mm. already established, at least mm. for us, right? And if you've been plucked out of your timeline, do you go back to it? And yeah, do you go back to it, and or what do you? Um, is there residual? Uh, remembrance remembering and we talked about you know in which they hinted at with uh x5 and mobius with the uh, jet ski magazine thing and what was what was mobius's previous life and is he into that or not and did did that is that some sort of echo of a memory of a you know distant time vibration somewhere or something so Hmm. yeah what do you Um, call david so uh, I, I, yeah. I, me, I, 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 I can't, I'm, I am, I'm indecided at this point. Cause I, okay. I, I get it all. I, I can see the, the angles on all sides and I'm uh, total reset. What would total reset mean? Going back to the way it was before with he who remains in the sacred timeline. Yeah. I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm there because that again, centralizes power and in, into the, the conqueror. And we see that, it doesn't. But does it? But what happens to he who remains? He goes crazy. So is it worth mm. it? That's an interesting character beat. Is yeah, I've got all the power. I am sitting at the center of it. I own everything. I've done it. And what has it done to him? It's but ch- chicken or the egg? Did that happen because he is right? You know, a power maniac or right? Right. The other way Did the power corrupt him? Mm-hmm. But he still went cuckoo at the end of it all. Right. Mm-hmm. Is, is that living? Is that growth? Is that is that living you you know your life? And and he's achieved something remarkable in just the sense of, you know, wonders of you know that that he was able to do it. That's an achievement, good or bad, mm-hmm. whatever. But then what at what cost? And and what does it get him? It got him alone at the end of time. Right. But right. the the thing is, you know, again, I'm I'm sipping through time here. You know, is that the goal of Rowona and Ms. Minutes mm-hmm. now? Right. So when they say, is that their goal now to have him, he who remains? You mean by at the end of the episode? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, what happens after Well, this. Ravona says that. She says, I'm on a mission for that dude, not you. Right. I'm on, right, I'm on for his that mission. D- right. Yeah. 
But maybe so. that's about to change depending. But anyway, where. Yeah, so speaking of the Midway, so Miss Minutes was called the Monster of the Midway, but um, mm-hmm. that might be a reference to the, so the University of Chicago was being built during the fair and right like bordering the Midway and the university's football team, the Maroons, they were the original monsters of the Midway. So that might be a fun Easter egg for sportsy peoples. <laughs> can I, oh, I'm just going to really, I'm going to veer, uh, and then we can, uh, off the timeline here and I'm going to veer right back. Okay. Mon- uh, Monarch legacy of monsters is about to kick off. Yes. Are either of you down for that? I I am. Okay. Maybe we'll, maybe there's a one, I don't know if we can do a weekly, but, uh, maybe there's a one. Speaking of Kaiju's. Maybe a one shot. Yeah. 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 So I'm, I hope it's good. Apple throws cash as shows. I mean, invasion. Yeah, yeah they do. Script wasn't great, but the visuals were amazing. Were amazing, yeah. So I didn't watch all of it. I kind of dropped out season one, about midway season one. But it was a beautiful, beautiful show. I, I don't know. There was this other show that they canceled, mm-hmm. um, with the robots. Oh uh, man. Oh, um, hello tomorrow. Oh gosh, no, not hello tomorrow. Oh. Yeah, Jean, I think you're thinking of uh, Raised by Wolves, which I think was okay. On yeah, Max. yes, that's the name of it. Yeah, that's the name of it. So it wasn't Apple. Yeah, it wasn't Apple. Okay. No, okay. and they didn't throw money at the season two. They definitely did not throw money. No, they didn't throw any money at that. Uh, I I fell off Raised by Wolves after season one because of the writing. So wow. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I gave yeah, yeah. season two a yeah. shot, but it was. Uh, I didn't get through bad. season two. Actually, no, neither did I. So. Yeah. Okay, I'm steering us back into the secret mm-hmm. podcast timeline here. Let's go. Um, so uh, where or where were we? Oh, we were talking about monsters and, and Miss Minutes. Yeah, um, and so I saw you in, you in the notes. You were excited, and I agree that Loki gets to do more Loki stuff. Yes, yes definitely. Yes. I like Always a good thing. Yeah. I even like the green of the Marvel Studios at the opening. I love the green that they, they use in this. Green is such a cool color it has such a vibe to it when you use it in yeah. in vfx it also reminds me of night witches but yeah exactly that's <laughs> night right. sisters. That, totally 100 percent with that as well star wars reference if you don't know uh i did notice though that there are a couple of times where <clears throat> there's an effect or where he does something where loki like maybe in the chase scene um they don't show certain parts of the vfx they show the after of it so i think it's like a little money saving thing Mm-hmm. Uh, so they use edits and cuts to to probably save a little cash, and that's fine. <clears throat> but if you notice that kind of stuff, you can you can see where they're uh, they're pulling a little bit of pulling a few of their shots, which is fine. Yeah, and um, so where I have to compliment um, Jonathan Major's performance in this is when he gets confronted by the guy he sold mechanical pants to, <laughs> and he just he starts to like squat as he's talking to him to try to convince yeah. him that he's actually yes. going to. <laughs> so I think it worked. I think it worked. <laughs> I think it worked. I think it worked. Subtlety in this. how we can fool these white folk. <laughs> do you, do you guys either of you guys like Wallace and Gromit and the whole? Uh, Clay, uh, what is it? Ardman Studios, I think. Out of yeah, uh, I liked I liked their vision short, but in general, I'm not a huge fan. So. Yeah, I, didn't, I, 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 I like it a really lot. There's a whole them. mechanical pants episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, all right. Okay, Wallace, so. <laughs> the all mechanical right. pants. That was that was hilarious. That was good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um. Uh. Just quickly back to the the Kang of it all, and not to necessarily litigate who who we are, which teams we're on, or whatever. But with Sylvie and Loki in the car and they're having this argument, I think this is, to me, 
the heart of the story here. Um, there's a lot going on in the story. I think there's two or three different B plots, if you will. Um, but I think the A plot is this idea of Loki and Sylvie uh, on either side of this argument, TVA or no TVA, right? And then we can get into the chaos versus order of it all and different character motivations and stuff. But what it made me think about was um, because, you know, they're arguing, you know, should the TVA be destroyed or, or preserved? And obviously Sylvie wants to destroy it. Aren't Loki and Sylvie a variant of the same person, right? And so if that's the case, then this is just a variation of, and this is for our uh, John, my our podcast, Lorehound John, the human heart in conflict with itself, <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate of all themes of all drama. Uh, the only primary story is the human heart in conflict with itself. And so I thought, hey, Loki and Sylvie, and they're having a conflict. There you go. It's, yeah. it's, it is what it is. Yeah, good point. Good point. I think, yeah, I, I kind of agree with that because they are, essentially, Loki is the character, right? And they're yeah. each allegedly versions of this one thing. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, I, I would say that they all have an argument with themselves. Yeah. And, but you can see it in, in the show as well because what Sylvie is going through is also what Loki has gone through, mm-hmm. Loki 2012, mm-hmm. right? So are they at the same place currently? No. Are they trying to get to the same place? Yes. And I mm-hmm. think Loki 2012 kind of recognizes that. Right. Sylvie doesn't. I don't believe so. Mm-hmm. But I think Loki recognizes okay. that she's going through the same things that I have already kind of sort of tried to deal with, right? This anger and all of Mm -hmm. this, you know, rage that I have, it may have been for different reasons, but I've dealt with those feelings, those emotions. I've had those feelings, those emotions. I've acted out on those feelings and emotions. Mm -hmm. And I kind of don't want her to do the same thing. Right. And she gets there in the end of this episode. Right. Yeah, to a certain degree. A little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, She gets somewhere. <laughs> she gets somewhere. <laughs> she gets somewhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 She's like on the path. Mm-hmm. You can see her take a step forward. Instead right. of taking a step backward or a step laterally, she's actually taking a step forward mm-hmm. Okay. by the end. Cool. Yeah. Fun, uh, fun way to end this whole sequence on a comedy note with uh, Mobius and the tandem bicycle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm a god for Christ's right. sake. What you am want I doing? Me to jump on this <laughs> stupid tandem bike. Really and this is where I, this is where I see Ouroboros <laughs> everywhere, right? In that uh, chase scene, they they start at one point, run around, and they end up right back at the same point again. Mm-hmm, you know yeah. what I mean? And it's like, and I'm like, ah. Oh, yeah. It's the snake eating his tail. Ah! You know what I mean? I was just like, oh my God, I have to stop seeing this thing. It sums up humanity. Yeah. There you go. You start at one point, end up right back where you started from. Um, and uh, something I've been noticing people pointing out online that people are reading into is that the Chicago World's Fair famously ended with the assassination of the mayor. So people are wondering, is that going to 
play out somewhere. And but I'm wondering if they'll even now they've done the World's Fair thing and they're yeah, moving. Yeah, I wonder if we're done with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I kind of feel like they're done with that. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Cool. Well, yeah, our characters are also done with the World Fair. So uh, Minute Slayer escapes with Kang, <laughs> question mark. And uh, Victor takes Red you love Slayer. love ship names. <laughs> uh, Victor takes them to see his refrigerator chair and to flirt. And um, Ren Slayer recaps the TVA situation for him. And he's like, oh, yeah, me being in charge of everything sounds really good. And he calls Locopius that wizard and his butler, which is hilarious. <laughs> But the tone changes when Renslayer uses the word partners. As Victor told the robber baron dude at the fair, he doesn't do partners. Didn't uh, like Miss, that at all. He's not into it. Uh, Miss Minutes is also ready to ditch her competition. So after they board a boat, which happens to be named the SS Heron, uh, after last year's de facto showrunner Kate Heron. Um, oh, that's a yeah. nice little tug. Yeah. They're bound for Victor's lab across the lake because, yeah, taxes are lower in Wisconsin. <laughs> and Renslayer ends up waking up on a rowboat all by herself. But Miss Minutes is now also starting to freak Victor out. So she, just as she's declaring her love for him, he locks her into the temp pad. Um, and when Ravona catches up with them, she's wielding a proto-pruning stick. All hell breaks loose, especially when Locbius and Sylvie all show up, too. Um, I like she says, Miss Minute says to uh, Victor, you're pretty singular yourself. At least you will be. Hmm. Yeah, I think this is where this whole thing is interesting because it gives us the insight into Kang's uh, character flaw, if you will. The reason and it illuminates it, I think, really nicely. It sets it up in the. Um, in the uh, presentation in the, in the hall there where he doesn't do it. And then she drops the word partner again. Um, and, and we see it play out ultimately with Miss Minutes as well. But I think this is why all the Kang variants, none of them can cooperate because this is central to this character's makeup that it, it, he can't um, share power they can't, whatever. I don't know. How do you describe it? <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, multiple infinite exponents of the same character, but he doesn't want to share. They are singular in, in nature uh, and in their perception of themselves is, yeah, I don't do partnerships. Yeah. So and what does that say about the recording that we hear? Sorry, and, right. sorry Sean. No, and, and also it plays into he who remains saying he's only doing this because these guys are worse. Right. Mm -hmm. Really? Really? Mm -hmm. uh, are, they, are you only doing it because they're worse than you? Mm -hmm. Are you telling yourself that? Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, you maybe just win it all for yourself, bro. So that's, again, that's great. What you want. Good job on the episode because now we have motivation for it. We have a, we have a relatable motivation embodied in a human way of, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I have whatever relationship issues and I can't be, in relationship with other people in that way. I have to control. I have to dominate the scene. So yeah. And both and, and in this scene, this 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 part of the episode ties into comics in a way um that's really cool mm -hmm. and it separates itself from those comics as well. At the same time. Um at the, this entire episode. Nice. There there are um calls and you know once he once he said, "Yeah, I'm going to," you know, I live in Wisconsin. I was like, "All right." Is that a comic and, thing? And, and yeah, 
All right, Victor Timely. <laughs> okay, Victor Timely. Uh, yeah. All right. We're getting somewhere here. We're getting somewhere here. But right. it, it's, again, it's it's different, right? And it's it's interesting because it's different, right? It's interesting because it's different. So I'm I'm really I really want to see where this goes because the question now I have is, you know, who is this Victor Timely? Mm-hmm. You asked where his parents were, Alicia, earlier, right? Mm-hmm. Like, where did they go? Like, okay, Victor Timely in the comics, you know, he's here. We don't ask that question. <laughs> you know what I mean? We know who he is. We don't ask that question. Now I'm asking myself, who is this guy? Mm. because it doesn't fit mm. and that's cool right and now i'm also seeing that rovona has her own motivation just like in the comics mm-hmm. but it's a, for a different reason mm-hmm. it's for a totally different reason right. but the motivation is still the same cool yeah yeah and what do you think about miss minutes motivation so she makes it clear uh yeah, Mobius might be a butler, but she is not Ravona's helper. She is a fully conscious and sentient AI created by He Who Remains, um, which, by the way, seems quite similar to Lila, Miguel O'Hara's AI in Spider-Verse films. So keeping an eye on oh, that. Yeah. Nice. Um, Has that she streaming yet? Yeah. No. No. <laughs> uh, okay. I no. mean, it's still on video on demand because they made demand. money. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But uh, Miss Minutes wants a real body. Do you guys feel sorry for her? You know, an AI that has the ability to program itself, I don't know. I don't know if I want that to have a body or <laughs> I, I like it having a off switch somehow. Uh, mm-hmm. Even though it's sentient, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah. It gets a little um, um, it gets a little Terminator for me. So a little Ultron. She didn't sell it with the creepy glitchy face on the mannequin. She did. She did. No, yeah, especially the glitchy face. Like, no, no. (laughs) You're like, "Ah, I'm I'm good, thank you. Don't think it's going to – that's a nice subtle nod too, right? Because if she did have a body, would that actually be good for her? Or that might come through the glitch. Yeah, exactly. Um, But also, yeah, the mannequins might be – Victor. didn't Victor Timely have mannequins in the comics that he would like turn into robots? Yes, so that might be yeah. why. That's just, yeah, shows respect so, for the source material. Right. And a variant having these uh, things that aren't, uh, yeah, that's good. It's a, it's a nice, it's a nice way. It's a nice setup. And, and yeah, the, when, when she said that, I thought about it and I said to myself, you know, he who remains knows everything that happened through time. Mm-hmm. So when I said Ultron, he is like, maybe he recognizes like, yo, if I do this, there's a possibility that this could be the outcome. So I can't give you the ability to have a physical form because I've already seen what happens when uh, AI that's self-aware has a physical form, you know, and that could be a threat to me. Interesting. You could turn out to be a threat to me. Interesting. He says too, he says, it's not something I know how to do. When she wants a physical form, but you have Victor Timely saying that. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how to build yeah, but it's also interesting because he also doesn't know how to be in relationship because she wants to lead with him together. Give me a body and we can lead together. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to be in a partnership with somebody like that. So yeah. it was a nice it yeah. was a line that did double duty there. Okay, so one question. So yeah, we see, first of all, Victor Timely mentions that he's developed this throughput multiplier that could help with the TBA issue. And so this is mm-hmm. the first indication to people who don't know 
you know, the Kangness of it all, that he's maybe not a total hack like he seemed. Mm -hmm. They do have questions about we're going to we don't have answers yet, but we'll be keeping an eye on it, whether there's a bootstrap paradox going on in one of two ways or both of two ways. And the bootstrap paradox is a time travel story thing where you have the TVA manual. And if you have someone give the TVA manual to Victor Timely, but then he's the one who ends up quote unquote writing it, that would be a bootstrap paradox. Now we have OB in there as a wrinkle. So we have to see if that actually is going to play out that way, but maybe Miss Minutes. Like, did he get the idea from Miss Minutes from meeting Miss Minutes and then went on to create her, or is that a different variant? And the wrinkle there is she was created as a chess device, not to be like fully automated. But yeah, I'm, I'm hmm. interested to see okay, uh, cool. how that plays out. And also noticing that Renslayer is very happy to take credit for things that were not her idea. So maybe she's the <laughs> yeah. Edison of this whole thing. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> oh, and move over, Casey, because there's a new leader of the OB fan club. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was interesting because he can look up to somebody, but he can't look horizontally at somebody, I guess you could say, right? right? Somehow he 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 sees Obi as being his, I don't want to say better, but has some sort of uh, upward appreciation of him, if that's the right way to explain that. Yeah. No, I do. Yeah. This little doodad he picks up at the end, he calls a culmination of my life's work. Is that mm -hmm. part of the of the temporal loom? It's like this little globe that with sparkles. That like. was the that was the um, throughput multiplier thing. That was oh, the, is it okay? Okay, yeah, that and it was sense. in the sketchbook. It was in his uh, sketches in the TVA handbook. Okay, so he must have already he saw in the TVA handbook, and he was like, "This is a flaw of this system." I was already yes. designing it. Yes. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Okay. So he's, yeah, he's able to think beyond the TVA manual and see the bigger, uh, the, the bigger issues with the loom, the limitations of the loom. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. Good slapstick comedy chase scene here, which fits into the old timey, wimey, um, vibe of the show. And they use the music and it's sort of a slapstick. So again, just fitting into the historical historicity of this episode because slapstick and slapstick chases were pretty common in old black and white silent films. So good, good homage to that. So I guess we kind of have to talk about Renslayer and Sylvie here a bit. Because Ravona says that she's on a mission for he who remains, right? And not the variant. So we, we kind of talked about that before. But then we get this great exposition by Ravona of her interior sense that she put all of herself into the TVA, including her happiness, including her humanity, which gives me another and or call back to Luthen, mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, I've sacrificed myself for this greater idea and this idea of order versus chaos. So she's the only one who can bring order. But, you know, uh, Sylvie and Loki are agents of chaos, right? They're, they are embodiments of chaos, of mischief, of destabilizing order uh, for good or ill motives. So I, and again, we see the interiors of our character in this conflict, in this dramatic conflict between the two. So really great to see and that um, she has this um, epiphany that she's like, Oh, I've been down this road before. Uh, I've, I've thought about your death a million times and it's unsat every time it's unsatisfying. It, it's leaving me empty. So maybe that's not the, the thing to do. And in that moment of sort of authenticity of her own self-reflection, 
she can see Sylvie's, not sorry, she can see uh, Ravona's core character, which is the hunger for power, hmm. right? And and wanting to be at at the center to to matter, to to bring order, to to have power and control uh, over, you know, the environment and everything around her. So, and, and I don't know, you were saying, Jean, that that's the same but different in the comics. Yeah. So there's there's a in 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 the comics, right? Um, this is I was going to say this in the in the comics corner, but we might as well get it out there now. Mm-hmm. I think we're slipping um, too because yeah, of the yeah, slips yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, let's talk about this now. Um, so Ravona um, dies, is brought back, mm-hmm. um, and when she comes back, uh, she comes back as she takes on the moniker of the Terminatrix, um, and she's upset with Kang for letting her die. So her whole raison d'etre in this um, arc of her story was to take over, replace Kang, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because you let me perish. So I'm going to do the things that you wanted to do and I'm going to take over time. I'm going to be you, a better yeah. you, right? <laughs> right? So mm-hmm. she goes down this arc and she has um, an assistant, an AI assistant, you know, mm-hmm. at her side in this journey to um, rule it all. Brideshead, right? Brideshead, yes, thank you. So now we have this Ravona and we have Miss Minutes at the end of time and they're standing there together saying, we're going we're gonna to do this thing together, right? We're going to do what... They're looking at the corpse of he who remains. Right. right? They're looking at his corpse and they're saying, we're going to get this thing right, right our way. So I thought it was a great call to this comic book character who also said, we're going to do this thing my way, but for very different reasons. Mm. She's not doing it because she's a, a spurned, a spurned love interest, Right. In the comics, she's like, they were in love. They're, they're, they're you know, the North Stars to each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You let me die? How could you do that? Mm-hmm. She's just saying here, I, okay, you're gone. I'm still here. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do my thing. I'm taking this agency not because of you, mm-hmm. but because of me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do this my way. And it has nothing to do with where you left me. That's what, that's where I, I was like, okay, bravo, mm-hmm. you know, like bravo. I, so I appreciated her in the show taking on this, you know, persona that she's going to be potentially, maybe Ravona is the big bad. Uh, yeah. In our yeah. current, for our current um, theme. Players. Right yeah. now. Yeah. This, yeah right. These players. Right. Maybe she is. Maybe this Victor Timely isn't that guy that they're looking at who's dead. Mm-hmm. And this guy who says, I can make my own choices. You don't know what's in my heart when he begs right. for mercy from Sylvie. And then that puts Sylvie on her path of like, ooh, maybe I don't, I'm not going to kill Timely. And so I'm not going to kill Ravona. 
even though right. Ravona is ending up being a bigger potential threat then. Right. Yes. Which, yes. oh, so right now I'm yes. seeing what you're seeing here, even though I haven't read the comics, I get it now that she's taking over. So they're they're playing with the comic in that they're making Ravona ascendant. Yes, yes, yes. Oh. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh. The comic made her the threat. And they're doing that they in the show. They took off the board, right? And made her the threat. The Avengers had to come together to fight Ravona. There what? were variants, yes, there were variants mm-hmm. of Ravona through time who came together to fight Terminatrix, who is Ravona. Marker. <laughs> right? So I might leave and, that one in because that's like a, a counterpunch. <laughs> You're on the point there, right? <laughs> right. So they she became in the in the arc of the story, she was the threat. She was the main big bad that was threatening the the existence of Come on, MCU, bring this. Bring it. Bring yeah. it. Bring it. Bring it. Bring it. Right? Give us the oh hey, we're gonna have uh he who remains is the big bad, but then slip and then bring in Ravona. Can which is I, true to the source material and, but it, oh yeah, go ahead, Alicia. Sorry. Can I, can I bring in the Mobius name into this? So Mobius yes. is like, I'm sorry, this is also one, I'm just going to do a shout out to dark fans, but so Mobius is about to have, it's this shape where there's two sides and each is twisted so that each side right. is infinite. Um, right. But there are two sides that twist around each other and, and come back. And so I wonder, could that be, like something like they're setting up like a dark situation with this timeline where there's two different realities that kind of loop through each other to get back to, you know, so there's the Ravona ascendancy and the Kang ascendancy. Uh, and the they're kind of mm. it's going uh, back, you know. The apexes of the Mobius on either end, right? Right. So, well, yeah, yeah. There's these parallel things that are going through each other. Right. But when we think other. of a, a Mobius loop, we think it in that sideways figure eight. Right. And right. then there's an apex on each end of uh, of that that shape. There's a, yeah. an ascendance and then a reduction and then a, a crossing back. So yeah, I'm I'm agreeing with you. I'm just yeah yeah yeah. All right. And there's there's a lot of dualities they're setting up. Like so when um, Ravona says this thing about being like the agent of chaos. Yes. Uh, just at that moment, Sylvie comes mm. like flying in. So right. just right. announcing herself as a sorry. Uh, Ravona called herself the agent of order and Sylvie order. flies in as the, as agent, the agent of chaos. Of chaos. Yeah. yeah. But then, so does that like, is Loki becoming the more ordered one in that pair now? Right. Right. That's, yeah. Yeah. And he is because he's, he's arguing for the uh, continuation of the TVA, which is a, um, a, a an execution of order. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or, uh, yeah. In, uh, of a particular execution. order. Of a particular yeah. order, but a way to try to apply order. And yet he's being a proponent for that, where Sylvie's saying, nah, let all timelines just be timelines. Yeah. And yeah. not be harnessed. Okay. Dude, well, we're getting all right, MCU, cook. Yeah. <laughs> Let's like we're getting turn this into, boiler on high, yo. We're getting into the end of time game. So yes. uh so just to wrap up this episode, rem- <laughs> reminded perhaps of the pruning of her own timeline that Ravona did. Sylvie ultimately spares Victor, but asks to be left alone with Renslayer. And Team Locbius, they get to take Victor back to with his time loom improvement designs and his he who remains like temporal aura to the TVA and hopefully to fix the catastrophe waiting to happen next episode. Meanwhile, Sylvie has granted Ravona her wish 
to see he who remains at the end of time, shoving her through the door and stranding her. Only, yeah, now, of course, he's a desiccated corpse. But Miss Minutes, who is feeling spurned, is ready to spill what she promises is some anger-inducing tea to Renslayer, and the episode ends. What do you guys think Miss Minutes is going to say? I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. She knows it all, right? She, she's been there. She, she's been the fly on the wall, so to speak. So I she am, has I'm just a, a lot of I'm, knowledge. I'm just riding in the car of the Ferris wheel or on the, on the, there you uh, go. There you on go. The roller, the roller coaster. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I have no idea what she's going to say. So, I mean, but I it's guess kind it's kind of foolish must, to make enemies with somebody who knows yeah. all your secrets, right? Exactly. But it he must doesn't have to know do with that. that. With that recording that Loki heard. I think it does. It has to. It absolutely has to. Because the, in that recording, they're setting up a central tension, which is in this episode, they're telling us uh, Victor Timely, a.k.a. Kang's, don't trust and can't partner. But yet on that recording, he's saying the exact opposite. Right. And he's saying it exactly opposite to the person he dropped in the boat in this episode. So they're creating a dramatic tension there. So it has to do with that recording. And that, mm. that recording is featured very prominently. Right. It's a, it's a, it's an element of the central tension there. So. Yeah. So is Victor Timely Kang? Yeah. He, that's he, the question. Is he, Ooh, he actually, is he remains. even he who remains? Is right. He, yeah. Or are they three different people? Cause it doesn't three look like variants. It. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, would, Jean, do you think that this was adequate punishment for Renslayer given of the, you know, pruning of Sylvie's timeline and Callus? I don't remember and trying to kill Locbius and only if she had no way to get back. Mm-hmm. But we know she has a way to to escape. I don't think it's a good idea to drop your enemy into the palace of the dude who was controlling all things. Right. There's going to be stuff there that and, right. and with Miss Minutes Right. right. No, I don't think. Yeah. I don't think. Uh, Sylvie, Sylvie think knew that Miss Minutes was in. Yeah. No, she didn't body. know. I don't think she knew. I don't yeah. think she knew. But even if she didn't know, like you said, dropping her in to the palace where we don't know the sorts of things that have been left behind. Exactly. Might not have been the best idea. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Although we know Sylvie has um, the master tempad from yes, He Who yes. Remains. Still. Yeah. So, we, yeah. so she's thinking so she's locked her away. Level the playing field. Right. She's yeah. thinking that I've locked her right. away. At Dude, least that's, that's what I thought. thought. I hadn't thought about that. That Because Sylvie's able to track and move uh, yeah. much more freely. So she's getting data from the master time pad, I guess. Right. That's so where my head can right now. My, my immediate thought was yeah. like, All right, I'm just sending you to the end of time and I'll by know. yourself. Mm-hmm. There's nobody else there. So mm-hmm. She's been there. Sylvie's been there. She mm-hmm. knows there's nobody else there. Mm-hmm. And um, you, you and with I'll know her if you bounce because I've got the master cope thing, right? Well, she doesn't even. I don't even think she's thinking about her leaving. Right. Right. Like I'm sticking you in a place in a prison. Yeah, I think she's nowhere to go. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Not knowing that Miss Minutes. Is do there, does so. she know? Yeah, they don't know that Miss Minutes is with her. Right. No, they that don't. Definitely changes things. Yeah. That's what changes everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Cool. Yeah. And then, yeah, the final question is, will the temporal loom get fixed or maybe destroyed? Dun, uh, dun, dun. You know, this whole episode and some of what we're talking about and which team and, you know, what's going to happen. I, I mean, I love all these questions. I'm down for the the, the thought examination, but 
like no, we were I mean, before, we just have to see. Yeah, I know that's, but I'm enjoying yeah. that. I'm enjoying mm-hmm. not knowing. I'm enjoying. I want to be delighted and surprised by right. what they do. Right. Right. So I, it's it's absolutely the question that's on our all of our minds, and I'm eagerly, you know, awaiting, <laughs> awaiting mm-hmm. the 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 resolution of that. So. Right. Awesome. Jean, did we cover all of your comic corner? No. So we're just going to do one more comics corner really quickly. And that revolves around Victor Timely. Okay. Which is the question. Go Uh ahead. No, no, no. Finish what you're saying. Which calls into question, who is this Victor Timely that we're seeing in this show? Cool. Right. All right. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, you can wrap us up with that final comic book corner. Okay, and we're back. Jean, you had one final comic corner that you wanted to hit us up on. Yeah, so really quickly, Victor Timely in the comics is Kang, right? There's no deviation. He's Kang who goes back to the early 20th century and founds a city called Timely, Wisconsin. Um, <laughs> right. And, and <laughs> See, he's Edison indeed. <laughs> so he founds Timely Wisconsin, he builds up his own industry with his knowledge of the future, right? Because he's traveled back in time. And he basically is Kang. He's the guy that they're telling us that this Victor Timely will become. So as I'm watching the the show, I'm like, okay, this is Victor Timely, but this who is this guy? Mm -hmm. Like I see the kid and I'm like, okay, this is not the Victor Timely that I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like he's not Kang at this. Like I am mm-hmm. almost a hundred percent certain, unless they throw a really big monkey wrench and just in the next episode or two figure out a way to turn him into a previous version. That this guy that we're watching is not currently Kang. He's not Nathaniel Richards. He's not that guy. Okay. This is not a, a different um, moniker that Kang has taken on. Like this is someone completely different. And I want to know how, if that's the case, how is that possible? Okay. Right. It, it's it's making me question where the story is going because, again, I know this Victor Timely to be one thing, and in the show. This Victor Timely is not that thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Everything that they're showing us is saying he is not who you think he is. And I'm biting I mean, yeah. it hook, so like, gonna... and... right. Are they going to, yeah. you know, throw me off because I'm biting it hook, line, and sinker. Nice. So okay. nice. <laughs> I'm, are they going to pull the rug out from under me and say, mm-hmm. aha, gotcha. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Fingers just, crossed, double finger crossed, toes and everything. Like, right. I hope they do that, right? And I hope that, that they, they can- they pull the wrong arm. Yeah, they hope they can Mobius us, right? You know, we can flip right, around. Right, 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 and right. a different perspective here, but it's still the same thing. So it plays into your comic book, but we all get a new experience of it. So again, this is a, a, a really cool thing that the show is doing and reimagining um, the characters from the- 
the main uh let's go stories that they've come to 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 be in nice all right anything else on that or should we jump into some feedback just one last thing to alicia's point victor timely in the comics was a direct competitor of ford and edison like he built a business (laughs) timely industries (laughs) and he was a direct you know competitor to ford and edison at the time Right. So, so they're playing. So again, good writing, writers understanding history, and then they're playing with these robber baron archetypes. So good, good stuff. Okay, quick feedback. We've got two emails, one from Marilyn and one from Abby, our faithful writers in at this stage. Again, dear listeners, if our you want Our Loki lovers. Our Loki lovers. Yes, yes, if they are. If you want to send us in feedback, uh, if things that we missed or things that you want to play on or you want to add to the conversation – Send us emails to mcu at thelorehounds.com or head over to our website, uh, thelorehounds.com. And there, there's a contact form as well as a voicemail feature. And of course, we have the Discord where we've got a channel set up for dedicated for Loki. So you can join the conversation there. All of the links for all of those things are in the show notes. So Marilyn, Marilyn says, I'm a bit late. I'm afraid I've got one comment from the first episode and everything else concerns second episode. And your excellent podcast about it. Well, thank you, Marilyn. From the (laughs) first episode, I think that it was Loki and Mobius working together to bring Loki to the phone as it was ringing. One of them made the phone call and the other did the pruning. Oh, Marilyn's got some internet points out on who pruned Loki. (laughs) So what do you guys think about that? I still think... I still think Loki pruned, but I could see uh, Mobius being the one making the call to... In cahoots. Help very timey wimey. It's a very timey wimey solution. Mm. I like it. So, and it's box good of that cereal. we remember this because this has got to be coming up soon. It Has does, to. right? Yeah, Has we've got to get some payoff yeah. to it. Yeah. yeah. All right, Marilyn continues. I'm afraid the rest of this is in no particular order, but the first item is interesting to contemplate just generally, I think. In Norse mythology, guess who is the father of Ouroboros, Mid- the Midgard serpent? Why? It's Loki. Using Tolkienian applicability rather than allegory, could that mean that Sylvie is Obi's mother, since she is another form of Loki, and may have been may have may have it been well, uh, she and sorry about that should um, she and Loki together, or it may have been Sylvie with Mobius. See the next paragraph for why I suggest Mobius. Okay. Marilyn's pushing chips out onto the table. She's laying down some Man. nuts. <laughs> Man, I got to think about those things right there. Seriously, right? Yeah. So it's an, it's intriguing, but then yeah, I don't. They, I haven't seen anything to suggest that, but it is an intriguing idea. Yeah, it's very cool. And if they're di- digging deep into uh, Norse mythology, you know that could be good. Mm-hmm. So, all right, Marilyn continues. I'm enamored with the suggestion that Mobius is actually the Jack we first meet in 1982 at McDonald's. This could explain why he had such an affinity with Loki from the get-go. Ah, I like that angle. That's good. Since Sylvie is a variant of Loki, right? So, you know, the, this sort of um, um, property of whatever, of uh, something. You know, anyway, just the affinities mm-hmm. there. Uh, this might also yeah. – Transitive property, right? Is that is that what it is? Maybe I'm using that too broadly. Mm-hmm. This might also explain the fathering of Ouroboros, as I mentioned above. I also think that Loki, quote unquote, loves Sylvie because he's loving himself in a different form. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's. that's, He's loving himself. 
That's it. You gotta have a gotta love yourself, right? That's what they say in in uh, in this world, right? In McDonald's uh, anyway, advertising. Um, <laughs> oh right, yes, I'm loving it. Oh, very good. Uh, Marilyn continues. Yes, it's complicated. And just for the record, I adored McDonald's cherry pie. Oh Excellent. man. The apple was fine. Yeah, I was. I think if I was going to go with one or the other, I would go with cherry pie. Where are you guys at? Cherry or apple on the McDonald's apple. pies? Apple. Apple. All right. Apple. All right. It's me and, and Marilyn around. against you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say no to it, right? Uh, as long no, as no, I won't say no to cherry pie either. Yeah. Oh, I'll yeah. say no to cherry pie. No. Oh! oh yeah. Yeah. What about right. chocolate covered cherries? Do you like those? Nope. Nope. Don't put oh, any okay. fruit on my All chocolate. Right. <laughs> that's fine he's more not having me. it uh and for the record oh, see uh the apple is fine too but it always had a, a special day when they had cherry pie as a possible note of interest i remember the mcdonald's from the mid-1960s though only vaguely because i was about nine or ten and there was no pie of either sort way back then Darius suggests that sylvie had one uh, had the one pad to rule them all, <laughs> mm-hmm. meaning he who remains temp pad, which uh, is a name that always made me think of high feminine hygiene products. Okay, yeah, uh, no, I, I, I definitely had that thought too. <laughs> did you? Okay, all right. Well, yeah. we'll leave that in. So. Yeah, keep it in. All right, all right. Uh, but yeah, I, could, I did think she she has yeah the master temp pad definitely. Yeah, she does the one the one pad to rule them all. So, right. Uh, Loki's insight that it's harder to stay makes me think of Mobius's claim that he did not want to visit his past because if it was a good one and he'd lost it, he didn't want to know again. Would it be interesting if he was, in fact, Jack and he had an affair with Sylvie? Yes. I like where all of this is going. I don't know how it's going to play out. I do wonder about that. Yeah. Mm hmm. Uh, finishing up here, I just can't think of Loki as quote unquote evil. I see him using his trickster side for the sake of good at this point. I think we're kind of agreed on that, right? He's more order than chaos mm-hmm. and he's not angry. He's not lashing out like he was in But Avengers. chaos isn't evil either. You can be no. chaotic good. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, if you were going to be into D&D parlance, yes. <laughs> um, and he really seems to care for Sylvie. Indeed. As mentioned above, that could be because she is him, but I still see his ultimate motives as being helpful and not harmful. Perhaps the comic books spin it differently, but of course it could just be one big Loki con. We know how good he is at deception. It, it just goes back to the human heart in conflict with itself, right? That's mm. that's what we got going on here. Did we have a Sylvie in comic books, Joan? Mm, no. Okay, we, so this is just a show mention. We have they a, cut, they a merged female two Loki. characters here. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Cool. We have, but then they're have, they're giving us a new. But in, Sylvie, in there's also Sylvie the Enchantress. So they merge right. them together. They merge two characters. Right. I, I, but I don't see the Enchantress in Sylvie. Okay. That's why I said well, no. But she has she enchanting power. Enchants. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No, but the, I don't see that character in this character. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Fair. Okay. Right. That's what Just I. That's what I mean. Not not the power set, but I don't yeah. see that character in in her. Cool. Right. Yeah. Uh, wrapping up, I did catch <laughs> yeah, on yeah. to the Breaking Bad origin of Breaking Brad, but then a bit later, I found myself of thinking of Breaking Bread. There is the key lime pie scene, not to mention that Sylvia is now serving people food. So there you go, Alicia, more, more food reference, right? Mm-hmm. 
Maybe it's just me, as I do tend to look rather deeply for hidden meanings of things. That's not just you, Marilyn. <laughs> That's this whole <laughs> podcast industry. Uh, but I do like the residents, indeed. Uh, uh, see my Mark Lay comments about foundation for um, you know where that <laughs> uh, where that sometimes ends up. But anyway. That's it for now. Looking forward to your next excellent insights and observations. All the best, Marilyn. Uh, any thoughts on Marilyn's email? Insightful as always. Yeah, I, I have to get some thought about this. You know, the who created our bars, whether it's created mm -hmm. or... Mm -hmm. right? Indeed. And I don't wonder, Ouroboros seems to me more like he doesn't... He, he's very much boxed within himself. Right. He, he, he has a, an area that he works within and he, he sort of is not outside of that. He doesn't feel like he has agency outside or interests outside of what his job is and, and only within his job. So the hacking thing, like, oh, he, that's outside of the box. Oh, we could hack. Oh, I, I didn't thought about that. Or was he saying, because sometimes he phrases things as a way to like say it kindly, but to like, instead of saying you're a dumbass, he's like, oh, right. can we do that? Right. And then right. they're like, well, no, can we? Like, no, I don't think so. Moving on, you know? <laughs> like, right. But I don't think he's not, I don't think he, that. I, well, like, for example, last week when mm -hmm. he was like, uh, when they were asking him to look at um, X5's tempad and he's like, mm -hmm. oh, is this really important instead of me trying to save the entire world? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. That was them playing with us. I think that was an honest yeah. question. I, the, the way I read it was that was Obi's mm. honest question. What do you want me I to do? I read it differently. Yeah. I, I, okay. I read it as him kindly saying, like, don't be a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All right. We've got another email in from Abby. Thank you, Abby, for writing in again. She says, first impressions about last week's episode. I'd like to express my appreciation for the comics background Jean filled us in on. The, um, the Zaniac stuff is fascinating and really interesting, whether or not it has a part to play in present or future MCU comics. Very cool. Uh, some quibbles. I noticed how easy it is to fall back onto the hero equals good, villain equals evil designation. It seems so extremely simplistic. I'll just leave this quote here from Norse mythology, a book by Neil Gaiman. Loki wasn't evil. Loki was complicated. Or just go with Loki season one, episode two. No one good ever truly, uh, no one good is ever truly good and no one bad is ever truly bad. It's good that some of these shows explore some of these shades of gray. What do you guys think? Absolutely. Yeah, I think, um, and, and the thing when, when I said that she was evil mm -hmm. and Loki's evil, I think in the comics, they, until recently, I would say maybe the last, you know, 20 years, Loki has not been portrayed as a, a character that has this, you know, it's all purely because I'm an agent of mischief and chaos, right? He's been portrayed as a as one of the top tier villains in the MCU. So, right. you know, in the show itself, he's not what that is, right? He right now. But I could argue that when we first meet Loki in the MCU, he's way more villainous in the way that he is in the comic books than he is in what is traditional Norse mythology. Mm -hmm. So there, there are, there's the source material that, you know, um, the character in writing comes from, 
and what they've done with that character and also how the character has progressed throughout time to become what we see on screen in this show. But I would say that from when he first came on the scene being written, he wasn't being written as a complex um, character that's, that had this, you know, father complex, right? No, mm-hmm. he, he was, he was a villain, you mm-hmm. know, and he's been a villain in comics for much longer than he has been a, a creature of, you know, duality. Right. Hmm. And I think we have to also draw a distinction between villains and antagonists, whereas Mm -hmm. in the MCU, Mm -hmm. he's been a villain in the MCU, you know, like that's how he started in Avengers, but he's uh, shifted into more often, and now Sylvie's taking this role being an antagonist, someone who's getting in the way, but not for evil intentions or anything. Right, right, right. And and I like that they're playing with the good evil villain hero thing because I think that's one of the things that I'm ready to move explore more in the superhero genre of is you know grayness we talk about this in some Star Wars stuff gray force users morality right you know mm-hmm. uh, and and so let's let's weave we've ta- we've done a lot of storytelling and let's keep weaving into these questions of what does it mean to be a whole person who's a little bit of a, of a lot of things. And I think so. in, in, in the beginning of, of these, these comics, these characters, they were written in a very, you know, Abrahamic, Judeo-Christian mm-hmm. sort of theme of good versus evil. Right. 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 Like, this is the good guy, this is the bad guy, and the bad guy does right. really bad, terrible things. And the and good guys try guys, in the end. These heroes, these good guys try to stop those bad, terrible things from happening. Um, so that's where the character, and when I say you know, these things on, on about the sh- characters. I'm, I'm drawing on the entire history of that character, mm-hmm. not just what we're seeing on screen, but also what has been written um, previous for us to, to view on, on screen. Right. Hmm. All right. Continuing Abby's email on Sylvie and her plotting. She isn't evil either robbed of her childhood. She spent her life on the run revenge, her main motivator, she did some terrible things, all those Minutemen she killed. It was part self-defense, part rage. Now she's doing the bury your head in the sand thing. She has yet to face up to what she did. There are consequences to her actions beyond the rosy giving free will to everyone. But her short-term coping me- mechanism is the broken record. TVA bad. This is a, mm. I, I really like this analysis. It's really yeah. placing Sylvie... Again, not as a simplistic antagonist, but somebody who has a complexity of motivation here. Yeah. She's got to be carrying a lot of weight. A lot. All the a shit lot of baggage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And was it evil? Well, and this is also fun because was Thanos evil? He was trying to think of a greater good, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it had evil results in the sense of, you know, disappearing a whole bunch of people without their um, without their consent, <laughs> right? But at the same time, he's like, no, there's a greater good here. So I love them playing with this idea I mean, of- Thanos pruned 50% of the universe. That's what I'm saying, right? right? But he, yeah. he thought he was doing good. He, he was right. trying, he was saying right. that I've got a, I see resource shortages here. And if we reduce then, right? right? So he's trying to apply a morality to it, 
even though it doesn't uh, involve consent uh, right. of, of right. all the people who were, who were disappeared. So ha- bad guys having good motivations or bad guys who have motivations who then see, I, like, I just like to see them playing with. Yeah. It's a really, so, it's, it's really mm-hmm. cool things that they're doing right. with these characters. All right, Abby continues, my first watch impressions of episode three. First off, the intro music getting a retro vibe was a nice touch, as we talked about before. All in all, not my favorite episode. Oh. Now I do have some issues with pacing. Oh. The middle episode curse. <laughs> oh. Hopefully we've changed your mind. We've changed your mind, hopefully. Fingers yeah. crossed. Loki and his butler uh, look dapper, indeed. He isn't impressed with the depiction of the Norse gods, although the music and his expression cues us into that he is feeling a little homesick. I agree. And there's some regret and some missing and some sadness. The Loki and Mobius banter is always fun. 100%. The magic is fun too. Love how there is more of it in this season. Agreed. Loki needs to communicate better, but gosh, Sylvie needs to finally listen. (laughs) (laughs) By the end of this episode, she makes... A couple of non-lethal choices, so a change in tactics. Some growth might be on the horizon. I would say that that's evidence of her growth. Mm-hmm. She did admit to Ravona that the obsession with revenge is not the healthiest. Agreed. And she gives you know Victor a, a pass. Uh, the Victor Timely guy is an earlier version of he who remains, question mark. He sure isn't Kang. It looks like Victor straight out of plagiarized OB's entire work. She called him Vicky, I want to point out. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Wonder how this will affect the loom crisis if OB turns villainous. Jean, I will still support him and his crimes. (laughs) I got to do a board of evil for for this. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I do a board of evil. So Abby is definitely team OB. Mm -hmm. I mean, all work, no sleep, no friends, nobody visiting him for hundreds of years, and then even your work gets stolen. Right? Right. (laughs) We got to show some love for OB here. Miss Minutes is creepier than ever. She is he who remains Stan of the worst kind. Reminds me of the dead bird. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's great. Abby. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) She's throwing. She's throwing hands here. She doesn't sound like some of Loki's wives. Oh, she does uh, sound like some of Loki's wives there. She has uh, beef, though, and she was ready to throw him away once he wasn't cooperating. This power-hungry AI is the true villain of the show, seems to me. Is there a connection? uh, Is there conflict brewing between her and Ravona? I wonder. Absolutely. Because I think Miss Minutes is using the secret that she knows to goad Ravona into taking action for which Miss Minutes is going to take advantage of, I think. Right? What do you guys think about that? Is is Minutes manipulating Ravona by time? Is Ravona manipulating yeah. Minutes? Yeah, but they're all playing for themselves. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody, they're definitely playing for themselves. I think the Lokis, though, actually have more altruistic. They just disagree Agreed. on what is the, yeah, mm-hmm. what is the Agree. Agree. right Agree way that. to be altruistic. Yeah. Going back totally to the agree. control center, they're talking about, you know, getting Miss Minutes back to unlock the thing. And I forget who said the line about like, well, how are we supposed to find this rogue AI who's gone absence? Uh, There's no way, even if you got Miss Minutes that back there, would she, uh, you know, she's going to do what she wants to do. 
She's going to yes. calculate all of the various things and she's going to yes. out chess match your ass in a heartbeat. Yes. Right. So you may think that she's doing what you want her to do, but I think ultimately but is she? she's, yeah, she's, mm-hmm. she's got her own motivations. So Abby, thanks so much for writing in great email and hopefully we've captured you back into the fold that this was a better, this was not a saggy middle episode. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, she didn't say saggy middle. No, she didn't. <laughs> she didn't. So I was, I was paraphrasing that. All right. So that ends the episode. That ends the feedback again, mcu at thelorehounds.com. Let's quickly wrap this up. We won't spend too much time. Uh, A couple of notes uh, I want to lead off first. We have a new joint project with the Properly Howard film review, movie review guys, Anthony and Steve. They were super excited. Anthony loves episode or season one of Severance. So he and Steve recorded a whole rewatch of season one. And... When season two does come back sometime in early 2024, all four of us, John, myself, Anthony, and uh, Steve, we're going to be covering episodes weekly. So what we did is we recorded a little preview podcast and episode one of season one of the season one recap is out now. Here's the thing. It's going to be on a. We've severed the feed uh, as uh, as Sub Zero on the Discord said. Ah, oh, severed feed for severance. How appropriate. Um, to make things logistically easier and to make sure that there's fair revenue sharing and all of that kind of stuff, we we created a separate feed so that Anthony and Steve and and John and I have a, a simple thing to track. Um, and that link is going to be in the show notes. Uh, as well, we're going to preview, uh, we're going to drop a preview in our made feed to, to advertise for that. And we'll make sure that we're advertising it and letting folks know we've got a channel set up on the, uh, discord as well. So right now the recap of season one is running and it'll drop Fridays on the severance feed. And then when season two starts up, we'll do some cross promo of the, of that, the, the episodes, but then we're going to cover weekly, uh, all four of us cover the, the show going forward uh, week to week with all four of us. And I think, Alicia, you you might drop a cross promo on your feed as well. For yes. The yes. Well, I, so. I'm going to drop that in a couple of days. Okay, cool. So that's exciting. Uh, Properly Howard Movie Review have wrapped up their season. Their last episode for The Sorcerer uh, just finished up. You can still find Anthony over on Electric Boogaloo. He's still running through uh, Clash of Kings. So go check out all those pods. (gasps) That brings us around (laughs) to you, Alicia, because you've got some exciting news. We've got a new trailer out. Go. Right. Right. Well, we have the new trailer out for this Loki. So listen for that. That was fun. Yes. Um, and yeah, on Wool Shift Dust, uh, there's- Well, I meant the new ra- trailer for, yes, your show. That's what, the the YouTube. We've, we've got a trailer for your new- the, There is a YouTube trailer out for the show you're going to be covering. Oh, oh. Is what I'm saying. Uh, Okay. Um, oh, yes, for we Beacon actually have something to. Oh, I was going to mention yes. Poe first. Yeah, because around the time oh, okay. that this Sorry. episode drops, uh, <laughs> you'll see Poe episodes in uh, the book club feed and the um, and the public feed. Okay, and then that's yeah, right. Follow the House of Usher is is a big thing, right? So yeah, yeah it was still Halloween zone. Um, yeah, and then after that, yeah, we're going to be uh, watching Beacon. Or sorry, we're going to be covering Beacon Twenty Three, starting with uh, Abby and I will be covering the book in the book club. Let's and, go! Yeah, and then November twelfth, uh, the new season starts on MGM Plus, which 
for the 10 of us countries that have it. Yay. So sorry to those who don't, um, uh, you know, there's other ways to get it anyway. Um, and <laughs> not that yeah, we're so, advocating anything. No, not that we're, we're advocating. We're stating facts. We're just stating just the facts. Just the facts over here. But yeah, it's the, the trailer looks different from the book, but, uh, it seems, you know, it seems to be, they're putting a vote of confidence in it. They're making it their first international launch. So I have, I hopes this could be good in a different way from Silo. Look, the trailer okay. the trailer tricked me because it looks good. The trailer yeah. looks really good. Yeah, no, you know it's just different it? from the books, but that doesn't mean that's not a bad yeah. thing per se. Right. You know? But Hugh yeah. Howie's involved, right? Um, not as involved as, as with Silo, but okay. yeah. Okay. I think Hugh Howie has a thing for enclosed spaces. Yes. Yeah. Well, I was saying <laughs> I was saying on Discord that uh he wrote these books after years spent traveling sailing the world solo as part of his job. So oh. I think yeah, he he thought a lot about isolation. <laughs> yes, he did. Fair enough. Awesome. All right. And um for the Lorehounds, we're just gonna be doing some regular coverage. We're gonna ca- we're catching back up with our Star Wars Film Fest and our Silmarillion stories. We've got a second breakfast coming up uh, pretty soon. Otherwise, we've got Loki on the regular. Um, as to our Patreon, uh, if you're interested in joining us to support this great content and to support all the the creators that we uh, we work with uh, in the Lorehounds extended community, you could go there, check us out. Little as $3 a month, you can join and get ad-free episodes, early access, we have some other exclusive uh, stuff that we're working on. Um, you can, if you want, do a seven-day free trial. That's a new feature that Patreon has. We've also got, uh, if you just want to curious to check out, we, there's also um, uh, sometimes on some episodes, we've got some audio previews that you can tune into. And there's also the annual membership. So if you just want to dr- drop some support on us once and let it run, uh, sometimes annual uh, subscriptions work better for people's, you know, budget and finance. So whatever works for you. And if not, you know, cool. Um, uh, public feed is is totally fine. And we appreciate all the listens. But we like to give a shout out to our top tier lore master patrons uh, who subscribe and have continued to, to buttress all of our efforts. And uh, it really means a lot to us that uh, all these folks are here sticking around and our numbers have grown. So to Samartian, Cyrus, Mark H., Michael G., Michelle E., David W., Brian P., Nick W., SC, Peter OH, Bettina W., Adam S., Nancy M., Lavinia T., Duve 71, Brian 8063, Frederick H., Sarah L., Dara C, Eric F, Matthew M, Sarah M, DJ Miwa, Andra B, Kwong Yu, Laura G, Dead Eye Jedi Bob, Nathan T, Alex V, Aaron T, Sub Zero, and Adrian. Thank you all so very much. It means a lot to us that we have your ongoing and continued support, and we appreciate all of our patrons and everyone who gives a listen. So, all right, episode four next week. This was a good one. Great episode today, guys. Thank you so much for everything uh, that you both do. And it's uh, I'm so glad that we have a strength to come to coming out of the previous on unna- the show that shall not be named yes. uh, show. Feels good. Yes, it does feel good. Indeed. Cool. See you guys next week. Thanks so much. Bye, y'all. The Lorehounds podcast is produced and published by The Lorehounds. 
You can send questions and feedback and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all Lorehounds podcasts at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. <laughs>